Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. The Bernstein and Home Show. And Tony LaRussa's there wandering around being Tony LaRussa. I actually push him every day to give me more. Stop I, I mean, don't, what are you doing? I'm not sure. Then, no, can't say that. Come on. This is not no. how you do Ash Wednesday. <laughs> oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Just oh, go with well, one another to do with the other. Just go with the boots. That's just, fine. Okay, but you know, just stop. We'll do what we want when we want. We don't need to be told by a calendar if we want to go have dinner, be nice to each other, or give each other gifts. That warning from uh, the dude warning Del Curry really got to you, huh? That's something you can say. You, you can't? can't? Yes, you can't. I, I just stay I away from it all. Can. all I'm right. not going to take advice from the guy that started the show today by saying someone was in and someone else is in. Well, he was, and he is, and he needs to stop. Well, that's not going to happen. More, more, more. Get you, get you, yeah, yeah, That ain't it, man. What? No, not your version of Lady Marmalade, which is fabulous. Thank but you. no. Lady LaRusso. <laughs> the worst just, just... visual of all time. <laughs> Bernstein and Hope, Middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Shall we? Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, Bernstein and Holmes. We've got some Bulls to talk about. We've got plenty of Bears to talk about as well. Some stadium stuff, some quarterback stuff. Jason Leisure is going to be in studio starting at 1 o'clock. We, we never know what the topic of conversation is going to end up being with Jason Leisure. And that's one of the I, best reasons to have him on. I, I, I'm excited to see my friend. There you go. Perfect. I'm very excited to see my friend. And surprises along the way. We've got Ray Diaz, Adam Studzinski, Brandon Fryer, Connor O'Donnell, Kevin Lapka doing their things. And I'm just, I'm weary. I'm just, I'm just weary of these, of these stories and, and taking something. If, if you ever needed a snapshot of this country, 
There it is. You take you take the most watched Super Bowl ever, the most watched television show ever, an outpouring of joy in the streets of Kansas City, and of course, it's and anywhere there are people, there are there are going to be guns and people are going to get shot, and if it, Missouri has no universal background checks, no licensing or training requirements. No extreme risk protection orders, no large capacity magazine ban, the fourth highest gun death rate in the nation in Missouri. We vote for this. It's what we want. And until we decide we don't, that's what we get. I'm really, uh, it's funny, Porth and I were talking about this before the show. Like, we both were fixated on the video of those citizens, like, getting involved in holding down one of the alleged perpetrators i do think that there's an element of people are tired of this and people don't want to die and they're they're finding in they're finding their fight response instead of the flight response but even like watching that video where you have people saying hey you know this is the gunman and then the juxtaposition of the the police who are like 15 minutes, 15 feet away, and they're just kind of doing something else. And then the but remember, other... it's not supposed to be about the police because if everybody has guns, everybody's safer. Don't forget. Well, then there's the group of police that actually do come and they and they make the arrest. And, but I keep looking at, at that video and I'm like, wow, like when the 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 young lady picks up the the gun and she's looking at it like, wow. Like, what is going on here? And then you hear some of the accounts of how that happened, and it's um, terrifying. Like, all of it. Like, it's... And other than doing a better job of not allowing people to get these types of weapons or making sure that folks are background checked and licensed and trained. And I, I still don't understand why that's such a big deal. I, I really don't. I, I don't understand at all why that's, that's something that if you, if you talk to most gun owners, they're like, yeah, of course, obviously you should be trained in this and should be safe with, your weapons and yet we for some reason we don't want to do that right we don't i just it's it's really fascinating to me that the the logic of well just if if everybody has guns everybody will be safer so more guns and then there's always a good guy with a gun will take out the bad guy with a gun and yet when people start using the guns people instead of running toward the guns where you're supposed to be safer where do they run away oh away where there might be fewer. So that's, it's always fascinating to me that the safest place to be, according to, to a lot of the logic here, among the gun fetish, the safest place to be is where there are more guns. I, I mean, the, the other part Why of run it, away then? The other part of it is that while romanticizing a shootout at the OK Corral is one thing, it's very different. Like, I would, I would urge anyone, um, full disclosure, I'm a gun owner. I have a pistol and I have a shotgun. I honestly think that's pretty much all you need, but 
I would urge anyone who is on the fence about this to go to a gun range. Just go. You know how terrifying it is? Like, to hear it, even with headphones on, even just go inside. Have someone who, who is licensed, who's got their FOID, get your FOID. I, I highly recommend that. And go. It's jarring to hear the sound of a gun. And I think that it gives a real good perspective on why people react the way that they do when guns are around and guns are being discharged. It's scary. And we tend to not talk about the scary part because of the macho part. Ask those football players who are running for their lives. Mm-hmm. Ask the Super Bowl champion football players who are running for their lives about, about macho. Bullets don't care. And even in those moments where if, if you hear, like we were talking about with the bulls and everything, where the celebratory gunshots that people let off, those bullets land somewhere. Like, that's also unsafe. They landed terminal velocity, too. Uh-huh. But if you were near anyone who let off a shot, it would be terrifying. And as much as we think about, like, you know, a, a muffler backfiring or something like that, there's a distinct sound. And and when you hear it, it's it's disquieting. And I don't, I'm not sure what we do. Like it's, I I um, I reached out to a couple people that I know that were there yesterday just to make sure that they were okay. I talked with our buddy Ron Ugly yesterday, who wasn't there, but his family was, and them having to that fear of are they okay. And then being, having the trauma of dealing with that while you're trying to go about your day and you're trying to check on everyone. And then the initial reports of what had happened, like 15 people, and then you hear about the 11 children. Because at first, people were kind of looking at it like almost in a celebratory way of, well, no children were harmed. And then... You find out that there are 11 children at the children's hospital that had been shot. Nine of them had been shot. What do you do? This country doesn't want to do anything. No one wants to do anything. I mean, that's not true. Some do. But we've got gerrymandered supermajorities in a lot of places that will keep it from happening because we don't necessarily have fair representation of voters and when, you, when we still have land being able to vote, essentially, by having states with no people have the same number of senators as states with all the people, that's why you get an imbalance. And that's why you get rural misrepresentation and overrepresentation in large parts nationally and certainly locally. I mean, look at Ohio, for example, for a very specific case of, of, of that. But that's the answer is voting. The answer is voting. And I remember when... The national TV, I think it was NBC News, interviewed my cousin Joni in, in Pittsburgh after her synagogue was shot up. 
and they asked her, what can be done? And all she just said one word. She just said vote. Yeah, but then we get into a discussion how a lot of those issues get rolled up into other issues, and then people will find it more difficult to separate their feelings about that from other issues that they feel strongly about, then it gets left by the wayside, and we end up in the same place again. This is, again, this is the only country that wants this. This is, this is where we are. The, the, we are the only country that votes for this, actively votes for this to continue to happen. It is our fault. What do you do to stop it? You, you, there's no question. There's, there's, that's not a secret. Australia stopped it. New Zealand. They knew exactly what to do. This is the only country where it happens this regularly. Mm-hmm. Because we want it to. I, I don't think that we want these things to happen. But we do not want to. In certain cases, we have fetishized some parts of the Constitution and not others. And this is one of the ones that we have. Want to talk bulls when we come back? Sure. I would like to talk about Kobe White. I would too. And him being great and fun and all that stuff. And watching him, even though you're watching a team that's not really going anywhere. No, but Cleveland's really good. They are. They're really good. And when they decided last night at the end of the third quarter, they were like, oh, we should probably start playing now. They're they're deep. They're you were long, thinking you were going to get one of those quick. They're spaced. One of those golf like golf wins. Like oh, they're all getting ready for the All Star game, and they're like, well, we'd like to win one more before. Well, we... after, after that first quarter, you thought that they'd half all packed it in. Yeah, right. Yeah, but then like we're twenty two and five since the middle of December. How about we just go twenty three and five to I, the All Star? I texted the group chat when Cleveland was getting three and a half points. Yeah, yeah. I I was gonna. Send out the the Holmes maneuver when the Bulls were up. Were they like up ten or whatever? Fifteen. Like now's your time. Yep. Now's your time to go the other way if you want. But it doesn't change the fact that Kobe White's putting on incredible performances. So let's talk about that next here on the Score. Bernstein and Holmes middays ten to two on Sports Radio six seventy The Score and six seventy The Score dot com in Odyssey Station. Caruso holding and looking. Puts it in the hands of Booch at the top of the circle. What bounce? And off to White for the tie. Top side three. Hit back rip. No. Ball game over. Cleveland wins it 108-105. My goodness. A heartbreaking loss here in Cleveland. Yeah, too bad. But there are going to be nights like this that Kobe White is going to need. to Figure stuff out. You're going to have to... to fail before you succeed sometimes it's not easy you're playing at the the highest level of the sport and it wasn't so much for me about the three-pointer that missed yeah it's a good look but that's what a 27 28 foot shot i mean he makes that shot routinely so sometimes but the the overall the numbers on it when when they know that you're shooting that shot i mean i get it it was it was the mistake that he made on the turnover still want vooch to catch that ball i agree with you and i thought the way Kobe White described that, he could have bust-tossed Vooch, and you would know if he was doing it passive-aggressively, but he didn't. And I, I was just really impressed with his maturity. Let's listen to what he had to say about that play near the end of the game. 
If I think I slow down, I can make the right read. Um, I thought Vooch was gonna pop to the three, but he made the right play while coming in because I had took on Mobley. I knew he was gonna be hard to finish over him. So I think if I just, if I put the pass on the money, he got a layup or he got one of his little floaters that'd be automatic. So I feel like in those moments, I just had to slow down a little bit more and just make the right read. I think I, I, my intentions was right, finding Vooch, he was open, because I took Garland and I took DG and Mobley. Um, I just got to make the pass. I got to slow down. I feel like I was too frantic. How, uh, I, I mean, I asked Billy this too. I mean, you guys have had so many competitive games, so many clutch games that fall under that category. But at the same time, you still go into the break three games under 500, still in that ninth spot. What do you guys need to do to get over that hump and, and to become more competitive? Or, or are you guys just going to kind of stay stuck in that play internally? Well, I think we, these moments are good for us. We're playing, you know, obviously, we, we, we got to find a way to get over the hump. I think we will um, find a way to get over the hump. Um, use this break as a mental reset. Uh, enjoy the time with your family, friends, whatever it may be, vacations, whatever our guys is doing. But um, we're a competitive team and we want to win. So and we got all the right guys to do it. Um, so for us, we just got to figure it out. I think the more we're in those moments, the, the better we're, we're getting. Um, like I said, tonight's loss, I feel like that play, those moments define the game. And I feel like that moment defined the game. So for me, you know, I got to, I got to, Take it on the chin, you know, and uh, you know, digest it, learn from it, and just be better next time. Kobe, take us through that last possession, and what did it mean to you that you got your number called there for that three? Oh, it means a lot. That uh, coach trusts me. It means a lot. My teammates um, trust me. You know, obviously, I'm pretty pissed. I didn't make the shot, um, but you know, it's learning moments. Um, just got to continue to learn from it. Um, if you, just looking back and, and reflecting on. You know, this year in the past years, you know, the steps that I've made to being able to be trusted in those moments is, is huge for me. But like I said, um, I'm kind of, you know, pissed off. I didn't make the shot, obviously. Um, I felt like uh, I got a pretty good look look at it. Um, so I'm um, just, like I said, learn from it. And, and just next time I'm in that moment, just, just you know, be mentally, mentally ready, uh, mentally prepared for it. It's pretty great that the the idea of development that that they should look at this as a victory for the the Arturis, the Acme fund. Like they they should look at this as them being able to take a player and help him get to the next spot. And they didn't draft this player, but they've helped develop this player. And we do know like from Kobe's own mouth that the decision that they made to hire Peter Patton has helped him develop. So they they should take a a, a victory lap on that. He has turned into a very dangerous player. Unfortunately, the timing of him turning into a dangerous player isn't great. Had this happened two years ago, and development is not linear, but had it happened two years ago, now you're talking about a Bulls team that could be capable of doing something. But as DeMar and Vooch get older, it makes it less effective and he becomes the guy the defenses will then key on because they know in those situations that it's, it's going to be him or Jamar and now it's starting to lean towards Kobe wanting and I will say that as a as a fan I appreciate that Kobe is not reluctant in those moments that Kobe's like yes I want the ball game tie situation I want it and I'm thoughtful about what it is that I'm doing in those situations. I'm not just running off, like just doing whatever. 
I'm thinking about all of this stuff, and I'm seeing the floor differently now than what I'm doing that I was doing three years ago. From a coaching perspective, if you if you especially when you read that quote from Kobe, like you just want to give him a hug. Yep. like that is exactly what you want to hear. That is exactly what, whether it's coaching or whether it's parenting, whether it's saying I I screwed up and I feel bad about it. And here's why I screwed Here, here's up. why. And now that I've gone through that experience, I've got a building block to use to get better. And it's so rare to hear an athlete articulate it right there. It's one thing to go watch film the next day and say, hey, you know, here's what, the, here's what we talked about at practice. It's another thing to hear somebody after a season or, or in retrospect at their retirement uh, press conference talking about things that made them better. But to be immediately after the game that aware is really cool. It's really special. And it, and it, and it lets me believe that buying Kobe White stock is, is, is a good plan. If you didn't think it was before, I'm really impressed with him. And, I, and, I, and it makes me want to root for him. Absolutely. He needs a break, though. So the break's coming at a great time because his usage oh, rate ridiculous. is super high. They're asking him to do stuff. He's doing some of the stuff on his own, and you can see it. But there have been moments where you go, oh, man, Kobe looks tired, and he needs a break for for this stretch run of whatever it is the Bulls are going to be doing where they're pretty much locked into being in the play-in tournament. I, I wish there were there was a brighter future in that you would think that he could get help. Well, I hope they see what we see and understand that every day that goes by that he doesn't have it is, is wasted time. And an answer to the 331 texture, how are you able to compartmentalize watching the Bulls and not get totally depressed thinking about the macro view of the team? They have zero chance of doing anything with a head of player personnel that's delusional. I get it. And if you look, if you've been listening to, to the Organizations Win Championships podcast, that's what we do is we try. We talk about that compartmentalization and how difficult it is. And we have to do it on a daily basis and, and here. The doom spiraling. And look, I, w- I was showing off my Andre Drummond. I have big balls T-shirt on social media last night, which I, I was so happy. To, I spent $50 on a T-shirt on a whim. I don't do stuff like well, it that. It went to his foundation, right? I, uh, I don't or know. No. I don't know if it did or not. Or it just went to his pocket. I don't, I, Everyone's paying is fine for the. I don't know hey, if it I did or not. I bought the shirt, and I'm fine with whatever but, he does with that money. Okay. I, I bought it's an it, awesome shirt. and I posted the picture because it's fun, and I nothing about the Bulls macro prevented me from having fun with that. And then I posted the picture. I'm like, here's your thirst trap. And my daughter's like, you're being weird and creepy. Like, it's a bit. It's, I, it's she like, doesn't get the bit. She said, do you even know what thirst trap means? I'm like, honey, of course I do. That's the bit. I'm a 54-year-old man in my bathroom taking, taking a, picture. a picture of an Andre Drummond t-shirt and calling it a thirst trap. That's the joke. It's like, it's still creepy. and You shouldn't do it. He's probably right. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. A uh, big thanks to my Martinez from our sister station. Who's that? Cafecito. Oh, like with the saucer and the thing? Yeah. Yeah. She has like... Demitas cups and everything back yeah. there. Yeah, she provided it for everybody. Would you like? So. Would you no, like? Thank you. I'm, are you I, sure? I, I, I you have it. some out there. I want it. I'm I not am, even. I'm not even really a coffee drinker, but she went to great lengths to do this for yeah, us. This is phenomenal. I'm so. sure it is. I am acutely uh, over caffeinated. I think anyway. I agree with that. So 
we talked about what it would be like. But it, thanks to my. Yeah, thank you. Shout, shout out to our, our resident Cuban coffee maker. Fresh <laughs> The We talked about what it would mean to a coach to hear a player say the things that he said. Why don't we hear from the coach himself when we come back on the score? You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2, on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Garland to go to Allen. Allen with a handoff to Garland. 10 on the clock, 40 seconds left. 104, 103 Cleveland. Garland up high, high screen from Allen. Garland crossing over Booch. Wants it, feels it, driving. Right corner will curl for three. No. Rebound, Kobe. Here come the Bulls, right to left. Over the timeline, Kobe White. Kobe turns, gives it up to Caruso. In front to Booch. Booch with a handoff to Kobe White. Top of the key, line to the lane. And the pass off the fingertips of Booch out of bounds in the far corner with 17 seconds left. Too bad. Exciting game. Fun watch. Really was. It was a fun watch. There's some really good basketball being played. That Cleveland team is tough and long and deep and talented, quick, well-spaced, well-coached. They're a contender. Yes. Without a doubt. They They are. are. They are a legit contender. And this is before Mobley has really figured out his entire game. They've got outside and inside. They have someone who will go to the basket. With impunity, they've got they play defense. They defend the rim. Like they, I would they say, have, they have rim protection. They, they they do all the stuff that that could win you some series. So, and there was the idea at the end of what the scoreboard said and who would take the final shot. The fact that Billy Donovan entrusted Kobe White to try to tie it up with a twenty eight footer says a lot about his confidence in him. Let's hear from Billy Donovan about just that. You don't know a lot of times how they're going to defend you. So if you just have one option and that option gets taken away, then it's like, okay, now what do we do? You know, and so you want to it inside. It's four and a half seconds. It's yeah, not like yeah. you can have a lot of options, but you can have like a couple quick right. things. And I put him in the first option. And I put him in the and first. Look. I, I put him in the first option on purpose because I think that for our team, DeMar's been great. He's an unbelievable closer, but there's going to be times they're going to double-team him. There's going to be times they're going to trap him. There's going to be some times they may put a lot of length and size. They may deny him. They may prevent him from getting the ball, and he's not going to be always be the guy to save the day. And we're going to have to have different guys step up in different moments. So I got a lot of confidence in Kobe and a lot of belief in Kobe, and I think he needs to be in those moments. I even think like the last play we were down by one in that transition play. He's, I know him. He's going to learn from that and grow from it. And he's going to get better from it. And um, it's good that he was in that situation. You know, it's the even Vooch, one? the one that went out of bounds to pass to Vooch. But you know what? He did, we, we, we had worked on this coming out of, uh, I forget what game it was on this road trip. Uh, it may have been the Orlando game, I think. Uh, but, like, we worked on some of this guard-to-guard screening action, and he did a great job. He came up one time, and he slipped out, and he got himself a three, and the next time he came into it, and he got fouled. And he scored five points for us. So there were some things he did well. You know, when we were down by three, we needed a three. He did it. But, you know, those 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 moments of what I said, like the carelessness, the passing, some of that stuff, we, we can learn from, we can get better from. I love hearing Billy letting you know that he's aware of what the what the Bulls have been with DeMar, and he's saying, hey, we we got another guy now. We got a guy that can that we need to see him in some of these situations. That I am I am going to force the hand 
to put him in some of these situations to see how he does. And I think overall, Kobe White's done a good job of it. I think that he is more comfortable with those in-game situations than Zach is. And they have to find a secondary person. And maybe he's the primary person. And well, that's, DeMar, what, that's, that's exactly that's, what you heard Billy say, right. that, there, that there, are, there are reads, there are options, there are all kinds of permutations, but you know, based on the play design, what the first choice is. In the NBA, you don't always get your first choice. And the thing is, is that the difference with Kobe is because he's such a threat from the arc, it makes him a better first option because of how teams are going to have to defend them, defend him. With DeMar, okay, cool. I know what you want to do. I'm going to back off. Go right ahead and shoot it. I dare you. I double-dog dare you to shoot it from the top of the key from 25 feet. With Kobe, if you do that, he might make it. So you have to respect what he is a little bit more in today's game. If, if you're talking about down one, DeMar going to give it to you. I also have noticed that Kobe is picking some stuff up from DeMar directly. Mm-hmm. And I think that Stacy used the phrase last night, hand down, man down. What DeMar is maybe one of the best I've ever seen at doing is reading and reacting off a defender's hand position because it takes longer than you think, even for some of these incredibly quick inspector gadget guys to get those hands up it's so funny i saw i'm i i'm not an isaiah thomas fan but i saw isaiah giving a tutorial about how to how to actually challenge a shot and he was saying that one of the mistakes that guys make is that they come across usually to their dominant hand that they come across and they'll try to get their right hand up Well, by the time that you do that, a shooter is already in their motion. And he was saying that if you if you keep your hands up and you continue to move your feet, that your move should be with your left hand. And it was really it was a really great breakdown from one of the best point guards who's ever done it. One of the best point guard defenders who've ever done it. Watch Caruso and, and, and watch the other thing about even in the NBA face guarding works. Face guarding works. Putting a getting a hand in someone's eyes that's, in their line of sight works. That's what Zeke was talking about. That it's harder to do if you're coming across your body, and that you probably are not even going to really get full extension. Whereas if you go like this, is easier than this. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like pass rushing. One is longer than two. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a terrific breakdown. I got to see where, where it is so I could. But the, on the know, offensive I'm, I'm side, yeah, the point being on the offensive side, DeMar is brilliant at reading a defender's hands. More so than read, that, you know, you, when you coach little kids, what do you tell them to look at? The midsection. Belt buckle. Always, always look right at the belly button. Because that's not going to fake you out more than like. Exactly. The body can't turn until that turns. It's sort of like when you teach a young, like the young, like a mite goaltender. If you're coaching a, a mite goaltender, but you always, the logo is a flashlight. And I want you to shine that flashlight wherever the puck is. 
because you make sure that's the best thing you could do is is get out of the edge of your crease and shine the flashlight. Flashlight. <laughs> Neon light. You've been really musical the last few days. It's how I soothe myself. Well, I get it. The the idea that Kobe might be learning some of these subtleties, and especially with that high off the window shot he's getting now. And he, look, he's not the greatest leaper in the world. He's not the longest guy in the world. He's short arms. But getting it up quickly on your spot on the glass, it's a weapon. Yep, it is. That concludes our Bulls talk for now. When we come back, are you convinced now that maybe maybe there's a chance that the Bears don't end up in Arlington Heights? No, I mean, there's always a chance. Is the percentage moving in the favor of they'll be somewhere else? No, it just means it's going to cost them a little more to get everything they want. We'll discuss why that's the case next here on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. One good thing about Chicago, there's not a lot of options. There's a handful of them. We're still kind of running those to the ground. But um, if we're fortunate enough, if we're able, um, you know, to stay in Chicago, I would just say, you know, we need to make sure that it's, it's close to the lakefront because I think that's what brings it all together. I always think about, you know, those money shots of Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football, hosting the Super Bowl. You know, I visualize the day that we win a Super Bowl in our stadium in Chicago, but having that view of the lake, of downtown, you know, of that beautiful city, uh, I think we we deserve to, to see and explore if that's a possibility. 
Yeah, because you're trying to drop the tax bill in the place where you actually want to be. And the Cook County Board of Review just told the team yesterday that they're leaving the value of the land at $192 million, which would make for a big property tax bill. So now the negotiation can continue through Saturday with the three area school districts in Arlington Heights. And they'll see if they can come up with a number. My belief is it would be it would be malpractice to pass on the idea of owning your bear's land, of owning your your mixed use massive commercial real estate amusement park venture just because it's going to be a little more expensive on the front end. That's silly. Unless you don't want it there. Yeah, but there's there's no reason to not want it there. As opposed to doing this again with the city and all of everything you've got to deal with of not owning it and not... You're building hotels. You're building apartment buildings. You're building shopping malls and movie theaters. And you're going to own every penny of that. The value of that's going to be astronomical to the overall bottom line of your franchise value. So... You can you can try to haggle this bill down as much as you can, but to walk away from that is insane. You're you're gonna have to pay it. They they want their they want their 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 beak wet. They want their money for their schools. Give them their money for their schools. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Just pay it. Pay your taxes to Arlington Heights. And just pay your taxes. Right. And get them off your ASS. ASS. Pay, just pay your taxes. That's what, or, or negotiate it. Because if you say, look, Arlington Heights, you can get some billions and uh, hundreds of millions. Well, they, and, or and, you can get a little less. And Arlington Heights has, apparently, they've been okay with doing that because Churchill Downs. They negotiated with Churchill Downs. Yeah, Churchill Downs, who owned the... The racetrack, they had already negotiated, what are they, like 60-something million Correct. dollars or something like that? 70, well, there's one, there was 60 and there was 71. Those are the ones the Bears submitted. So it seems as if it's not like the village isn't good with negotiating. But I understand them wanting their money and the county wanting its money for what is a property that is going to bring back billions of dollars in revenue to the Chicago Bears. And I, for one, am here for, make them earn it. That that since this is in public money, make them earn that. And, and let the schools, whether we're talking about stuff that's happened here in the city of Chicago and the county of Cook, or just the county of Cook, how many times have we seen tax money misappropriated? All the time. Right. A certain percentage you presume is going to be. that, And that's a problem. So I would say to the folks in Arlington Heights and Fritz Kagey and everyone else, don't make it easy on the Bears just because it's the Bears. Make them pay their fair share in this. And if you negotiate a fair share, keep it moving, build your place, and then you can start printing money. Because that's what's going to happen. The Bears are going to have an opportunity to build a village inside of Arlington Heights, like Dan's talking about. Mixed-use properties, 
putting up condos and hotels and retail stores and anything else that they want. It's but, a, it would be a convention locale. You'd have people coming in and staying there. Much easier because, to get there from O'Hare yes, than it is to get downtown. Much like what Schaumburg has done to, Vegas. to make themselves kind of like a, a mini destination. And it's right there, too. So, like, you, you, yes. could, you could also have, like, the connective tissue of kind of creating, like, this super area out there for you. Then... You get into the business of getting other things. You get into the business of getting a Final Four. I don't know about a Super Bowl, but usually that's how it works. You build a new place. They Yeah, that's, they, that's almost a wink-wink yeah, presumption. You, you get a Super Bowl, but you do put yourself into the mix for other stuff. Who says that the, the Combine has to be in Indy? The Combine could be here. The Final Four, concerts, other things that you can do. And you'll own it. You'll own the playing surface. You'll be able to figure out exactly how you want it to ride, all the things that you want. You'll own the parking lot. You'll have the opportunity to say, well, we're gonna, all this money is going to be ours. We don't have to share it with nobody. But you got to share some money up front. Well, not only that, you can move your practice facility out of Lake Forest and sell all that land. That's unbelievably. Which, you're at Conway Farms. Yeah. You can move, find, you know, get your whole practice facility behind whatever walls you want and all your practice fields there. I thought about that like when this first came up because they had spent so much time and money on renovating Hallis Hall. And this was, the, this was the one thing that for sure you can say Ryan Pace did a great job of is spearheading that and saying, man, we have got to – We've got to fix this. This is behind the times. And I know that it was a heavy investment. It may have even been $100 million in the renovation of Hallis Hall. I kept thinking, are the Bears just going to create a whole campus for themselves in Arlington Heights? And how would they feel about like leaving Lake Forest? But it makes sense. No Why re- not have there's everything no, there? There's no reason for them to be in Lake Forest other than that's where they happened to be before. They do like tradition. But, but there's no reason for them to be there. I, I agree with you, but they do like tradition. And it's it would be so much easier for you to do that. Like, you could have all of your practice fields and, you know, like. You have a whole complex. And if you build it up, like, and we're talking, we're talking seven to ten years into the future here. If you build it up, then you don't have some of the awkwardness of their training camp now, you know, that, oh, we got, we got this guy, he's over this hotel, we got these guys over here, this sort of thing. One road in. Just kind of make it a, a bigger thing. But they shouldn't be given a free ride. Of course not. I, I want the Arlington Heights school districts to get their money. This is a great opportunity for them also. That's why I, I think the Saturday deadline can probably be pushed. If can be negotiated itself. Sure, if they are making progress and negotiate, said, "Hey, look, let's we're a hundred million apart. Why don't we let's start somewhere? Let's let's see what we can do here. Either way, that's just an upfront cost that ultimately is going to be a pittance. You're going to be kicking yourself 
if you cut off your nose to spite your face and say, screw you, we're going to do some convoluted, over-corrupted, mobbed-up deal with the city and, and it's have all why, these why same— to be mobbed Have up? all these same problems that we've had in the past. And, and you're going to go do this again. Well, this is the greatest chance you've ever had at a point where half the, the, the extant McCaskies can't wait to sell. They can't wait. Virginia's 110. She's not what, 110. What are you doing? 101. Cut a check. Happy birthday. Figure it out. McCaskey. Cut a check. Do your deal. Then you can get on with a, just a, a massive increase in franchise value. You own everything. But you hear Kevin Warren talking about the city, and I know that the, it's partially and probably mostly a leverage play, but... What if, what if after his experience in Minneapolis, him saying, oh, no, 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 baby, we can build one here. Now, I would say. And own it? I'm like, well, you're going to have to. Cause well, what are you going to, you going to own the hotels around it? No. What are you doing? But you could own your stadium. But that's not the sports business. Sports is real estate. Yeah, but. Pro sports is real estate. But you'd have better real estate. No, you'd have a building. You'd have one building. You don't depending it's on a where real it estate. is. Look at Stan Kroenke. You look at SoFi. It's a real estate play. They finally understood that. They're not going to unwind that. Now they but finally what, what got if, that. They got an unbelievable they What if he site. doesn't like it? Maybe it's not unbelievable. What if Kevin Warren dug through the details and was like, "If they're going, I'll take it if they give us everything we want. But if they're trying to get some extra money out of us, we can go somewhere else and find it." You can't go anywhere else and get that. You can build a building somewhere else. You I, think, can't, I think that you could go somewhere else, not the city. Right, not the but, city. But I, oh, think yeah, that, I, mean, sure. I think there are other places oh, that they could go to get that land. Type of, oh, you, yeah. you could get less expensive land anywhere. The further away you get from the city, the land gets less expensive. Gary? Yeah. By the whole city of Gary. Well, I mean, Gary's coming up now. Re- rebuild Gary. Rebuild Gary. Gar- Gary is is actually having a very slight renaissance right now because of the proximity to Chicago. And there's some investment that's going on in Northwest Indiana these days. I just think there's going to be there find some way. For, Kevin Warren will find some way to get some face saving concession and say, "All right, this is." And I, he can go I back don't to even the think that it has to even be like face saving. I agree with you. Where it's like. Just pay it. This is this is the figurative and literal tax for doing business. Pay it and then get on with the gettings on. Get get on with all the stuff that you've ever You'll wanted make to it do. Back a hundredfold. And then then you can really see Kevin Warren geek out because he wants to talk to you about building the place and all of the different schematics and bringing in Andrew Luck and have him look around and build it for him and all the other if things. If you build it, they will come. I guess. I mean, they're going to come anyway. Like, that's the thing. They're they're going to go anyway. But then you can get on with it. Get on with it! You can build your place. You can build your version of what the Cubs have. Oh, to, on, on roids, though. Yes, because it's football. And I'm not sure how the revenue sharing, if there is, well, there isn't, it really isn't anything that's like baseball revenue sharing because that's you, the, the gambit for baseball is you only share what What's, is in the in the walls of the park itself. Yes, everything else is yours. With the NFL, it's a little bit more 
Yeah, I'm not exactly. I, I don't. I can't speak knowledgeably about how those sort of arcane rules work, or even if there's something similar. I don't think there is. No, just go do you. Go do you. But that's you've wanted control. A lot of this is control. Now, maybe, maybe in the conversations with Brandon Johnson, maybe Kevin Warren has. I'm trying to look through at every single angle of this. Maybe he's found a partner worth partnering with where it's not going to be a fight every day that you're not going to get the meatball fan mayor that's just trying to, you know, pick up political points by saying mean stuff about you when you lose to the Packers. You still won't have the real estate. Maybe they can find the real estate. They can't find a parcel like that in the city. They can find Even it in the 78. They could find it in the city. They can't find it downtown. They could find a parcel of that in the Southland well, for sure. That big? Maybe they could go to the village of Bedford Park Whoa. with their fabulous water. Hey, man. Didn't they sponsor a bowl? No, that was Elk Grove Village. Oh, that's right. That's, well, maybe that's where they should go because they're giving out money in Elk Grove Village for the Bahamas Popeyes Bowl or whatever it was. That was your favorite bowl of all time. It's wasn't the it? greatest. It's the greatest concept for a bowl game ever. What are you going <laughs> to do? Well, in the middle of December, we're going to invite you to come be in the Bahamas for a week. All right, that sounds great, but there's more. Oh, really? What else? Well, there's a football game that's going to take place. So if you want, you can go to the football game. So wait, I get a week in the Bahamas, Mm -hmm. and I get to go watch a football game? That sounds amazing. But wait, there's more. The bowl game is sponsored by someone. Oh, am I going to get like a cell phone? No. You're going to get chicken and a biscuit. That's what you're going to get. All day, every day. You're going to get the Bahamas, you're going to get football, and you're going to get chicken and a biscuit. There's no better concept for a bowl game ever than that one. They need to bring it back. Popeyes needs to get back on board, and we all need to go. We does it matter who the teams are? No. It doesn't matter who no, the teams are. It doesn't matter one bit. I don't care if it's a Sunbelt team and a team from the SWAC. I don't care. <laughs> We're going to the Bahamas for a week. There's going to be football and chicken. This was quite the success for Elk Grove Village, apparently, according to the Chicago Tribune in 2019. Elk Grove Village spent $300,000 to sponsor the Bahamas Bowl. It resulted in $12 million in media exposure. It only cost $300,000? Yeah. That's we what... could pull together and get that? Yeah, well, we probably could. Studs, Let's sponsor a bowl. Studs, that's what the Barstool guys did. They bought a bowl. What a gambit. For I think for like $2. Oh, we got to get on this. I think, we, we're, we're missing out. Yes. We we could probably do like the Motor City Bowl or something like that. Invest in Detroit. Do we get land? And that's another place you might want to consider. It's probably too late. Way too late on that train. It's probably too late. Way too late. Downtown hey, Detroit. Hey, next up, I mentioned that there's a MLB controversy that's going on. Yeah, yeah forget about that for a second. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Dan? Yes. It's a week in the I Bahamas. Have been. It's a football game. And then there's chicken. And did you see did you see how much chicken there was? When they first When they first did the Popeye's Bahamas Bowl and it was just like 
hey, here's eight tables of chicken and biscuits. Spicy and regular? Yes. Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness of the biscuit. I'm telling you, my dinner the other night was just ideal. We haven't played that enough lately. A a three-piece spicy with a side of red beans and rice and a biscuit and a three-piece mild with a side of mashed potatoes and gravy and a biscuit. And somehow that is more economical than the bigger piece, whatever, nine-piece. Eight-piece. This was six. It, it, trust me, I did. I, I I ran the numbers on this one. I had my team of people. Did Kevin de- Warren come de- in? Determine what it was, and it was it was perfect. And I'm like a Popeyes. I got points now. And meanwhile, that's not why you called. Do you realize I got my love of fried chicken primarily from my dad? My dad is like his his mom used to actually make it in in like the uh, a frying pan. There was a family recipe, and occasionally my mom would make his mom's recipe, and it had to be just right. It had to be room temp served room temperature, never hot, never cold. I agree with that. Just warm, and that's when it was ready to eat. And I and he would take us to Cliffs in in Omaha all the time. Back when Browns was good back in the day, we used to have that all the time. The Browns at, at, at 41 and uh, 22. And he took a trip in college with one of his classmates where they drove all the way out west to Crater Lake and through Oregon and California. And they every, they stopped at every little joint that served fried chicken. It's almost all they ate on the entire trip was trying to find the best fried. And how about this? That man is 80 years old. He has never had Popeyes. Oh, that's got to have it. He has never had Popeyes. So here's what his, we do. His favorite has been Joe's steak and seafood. Their fried chicken. They've been our our victory chicken sometimes. But I'm telling you, he has never had Popeyes. Well, once we get Popeyes and the Bahamas Bowl back together, there you go. You take him on a trip to the Bahamas. I'll Bowl. I'll make him the damn Grand Marshal, so he could see Northern Illinois. Take on Troy. I don't care what the matchup is. You throw out the records when those teams meet. I'm I'm going, and we should all go. And we should all go and have chicken. And he's like, well, there's no Popeyes near enough to me. I've never, like, hold on. Get out your phone. There's a Popeyes around. And the, just put in Popeyes. The there really isn't. The closest one is on Milwaukee. It's worth it. Milwaukee and Dundee and Wheeling. It's not like Waffle House, like where you have to I go know, to southern right. Indiana. <laughs> you have to go to Columbus or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, how far of a drive is that for him? They go to Bob Chin's all the time. Okay, so there you go. There's right no excuse. Next, it's right next to Bob Chin's. So is and in Tuscany. Is there one of the, is there, I don't even, there's a whole row of great, that's where La France used to be, a whole row of restaurants right there in Wheeling on Milwaukee. Like, there's a brand new Popeyes right there. Go get some damn chicken. We got to get them back together, man. I don't know what, I, I don't know if Elk Grove Village is the reason why they, they separated. If Elk Grove Village was out here, you know, wrecking a happy home. But maybe, maybe we can have everyone be happy. Elk Grove Village, Popeyes, the Village of Bedford Park, and the Bahamas Bowl. I believe they played the Bahamas Bowl in Charlotte this year, though. That's so less appealing. Charlotte's great, but the question here, Dan, why the mild? Because I don't want all spicy. I like them both. They're both awesome. You need for, your mouth needs a break. They're both awesome for their own reasons. 
So I do. I like the way sometimes the the mild is. I just I I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. You just go and you have a good time. I'm I'm looking for a new auntie Popeyes too. See that's something that that's what you're. I'll I'll show you what your problem is. Tell you something. (laughs) They knew what their target demo was. And they hit their target. <laughs> you, you want to go hang out in the kitchen? I sure do. <laughs> I sure see, do. See what she's got cooking? Mm-hmm. I got to say, I, I somehow missed the the new Popeye's lady. Yeah, not and, not no, not the the other one that was literally out here like, oh, I'm going to make. No, 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 the, the, the new one. No, I, I just Googled it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're like, oh, what's our target audience for Popeye's? Oh. There you go. A little extra flavor makes the wide receiver. No, that's not different. That's That's KFC. That's different. And that's super racist. Popeyes would never. Your your Popeyes mommy is Deidre Henry, Mm -hmm. professional actress known for playing the role of Annie. She's been part of many TV series, but she's mostly known as the Popeyes lady. No, no, not her. It's the new lady. What? Hang on. No, 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 no. This is, this is, Right? Isn't this who we're talking about? No. Oh. Okay, because she was born in Barbados, moved to Atlanta. No, that's not who we're talking about. Moved to Babylonia. Uh, Okay, you find out who you're talking about, and we'll we'll do the research. But we've got a baseball controversy we must discuss next on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. I don't care for the orange jerseys. Taste the biscuit. Taste the goodness of the biscuit. My detective work has uh, hit a wall. My investigation has been stymied. I went to all the places I usually go, that iSpot.tv, the places to find commercial actors. This isn't like the case where where Mike Nelson's brother is like, that's my brother. It turns out he was a listener. I don't know if she if, if if there's really any justice in the world, she's like a listener too. That would that would be great if that were the case. Um also apparently we know people that know people at the Bahamas Bowl. Really? <laughs> so they're listening. Get it back. So this Get back is together with Popeyes. And get the pop, new Popeyes lady at the bowl. If you've heard it or not, the uh, M, not the, but MLB has a new uniform manufacturer, and it's Fanatics. So it was Nike. Was it Nike last year? Did Nike do the uh, the alternates, like the Wrigleyville one? For I forgot what they were called. Yeah, Nike did those, didn't they? The City Connect. City Connect uniforms. I, I think, think Nike right. did those. And the complaint with the Nike uniforms is that they were too tight. And then guys are like, no, I actually kind of like it. That's not the complaint with these new uniforms they've got this year. Okay, Nike engineered and designed them 
fanatics manufactured them. And that's the problem. Anybody who has ordered from fanatics knows the manufacturing is slipshod to say the least. There's been a lot of people on social media, like there's whole accounts about stuff that they feel like fanatics is messed up for them. So that stinks. It, this is from The Athletic. Major League Baseball's on-field uniform provider has rolled out the Nike Vapor Premier. Nike claims the new jersey is softer, lighter, and stretchier than previous. Players say it's worse. In clubhouses around the league yesterday, they criticized the jersey's poor fit, cheap look, inconsistent quality, and small lettering. This is Angels outfielder Taylor Ward. It looks like a replica. It feels papery. So from the looks of it, it doesn't look like a $450 jersey. So far, thumbs down. At his locker, Angels reliever Carlos Estevez was in a tizzy. He pulled out a couple tops. Charlie Sheen? He pulled out a couple of tops and pairs of pants to show the shades didn't match. Oh. He laughed at the spacing and shrunken nature of the lettering on the back of the jersey. And apparently... He bemoaned the fact that he can't customize his pants to his preference the way pitchers once could. He said, when I wear my pants, I feel like I'm wearing someone else's pants. I can't believe you skipped the best best line of this whole paragraph. I wasn't going to read that. I didn't know if I could read that. You could read that. Please read it. As he bemoaned the fact he can't customize his pants to his preference the way pitchers once could, tailoring the fit to their big dumpers and tree trunk thighs. That's you can read. Robbie Ray. And then Ward said, I could see Estevez flexing and it was ripping in the back. So this is going on in the Cardinals clubhouse as well. This has got to be a union issue. This is really important. You would think that, that at some point the Players Association is going to go, hey, what are we doing? Their stuff should look like the greatest stuff ever. It should feel great. One of the problems is stuff isn't stitched. They're, they're, you know, pressing it onto the jerseys. And if you're talking about, like, spring training stuff, all right, whatever. You know, they throw that into bins and all that. But and as you heard Craig Council say in spring training, four words, the results don't matter. But f- for the regular season, especially if you're trying to sell stuff to people, if you'd like to sell jerseys, you want it to be quality. When you order a hockey sweater, you want the weight of a hockey sweater. When you order a jersey, you want to feel the mesh like in the jersey. And taste the biscuit. Yeah. Taste the goodness of the biscuit. Dansby Swanson said he reached out to his Nike contacts Tuesday to discuss the new jerseys. Well, you know, Dansby is good on talking to me. He will... He will call a manager. He said he is all for the new materials, but some of the design decisions, like the specific shade of blue on the Cubs jerseys, are worth, in his words, reconsidering. Uh, How are you going to mess up the Cubby blue, man? Well, listen, this is Dansby Swanson. Cubby blue is its own blue, right? Yes. The blue on the uniform is a little bit different than Cubby blue. The disrespect. So how can we just recapture that? Swanson's broader point was that in the design process, Nike may have removed some elements that make each team's jersey 
their own. In Cardinals camp, they lamented losing the chain stitching of player names on the jersey. Well, who cares about them, though? Swanson said you wouldn't change the font of, let's say, the Atlanta Falcons. They have a little bit of futuristic block lettering. It's unique to their jersey. You wouldn't then go put that on the New York Giants jersey. With some of those things, it's like this makes a Cubs uniform a Cubs uniform. It doesn't need to change. I think they will probably have to end up figuring out a way to kind of go back to what it used to be. Thanks, Dansby. I'm I'm with Dansby on this. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I will this is su- our concern, dude. I will support him wholeheartedly in this endeavor. Cause some of the I saw I saw some videos on it. It's funny because it was on my list of things to talk about too. And I was looking at some of the videos of guys looking at their jerseys and some guys doing back to backs of what the jerseys look like mm-hmm. last year versus what they look like this year. And I'm just going, that is um here he, here's what I thought immediately. My Babe Ruth League, I went to my my closet. My Babe Ruth League jersey is better made. Like, it's actually stitched. It's not pressed. Homewood Material Services, which was our sponsor, is stitched onto the front of it. And I'm sitting there going, that was 30 years ago. And I have a better jersey than Major League Baseball players do in 2024. That's wild. I didn't get to keep my club baseball jersey. We had to give ours back. I got to keep my hat, which I still have. Well, I I still have I have my DePaul one, which is also better made because we well and our our we went and designed them ourselves. The the Duke jerseys were Dodgers. If you if you picture with the red red number with the script Duke across the front, blue Duke. White jerseys, red number, and ours were the varsity. When the varsity would get, you know, they'd move on to their next nice jerseys, they would give us their old jerseys. We made we made a hat at DePaul that I still think is one of the best designs that the university has ever had. And then we got in trouble because it was, you know, trademarked. But they used to have this place called the Blue Demon Room. And the the uh mascot for the Blue Demon Room was a baby blue demon, like, with a pitchfork. Like, it had on, like, a diaper. So we just took it and put a baseball bat in its hands instead of a pitchfork. And every, like, we were selling them. And then the university was like, eh, we don't think we can let you do that. And I'm like, why would you not? It's let us sell it and also have the softball team wear it. There you go. It's an awesome logo that we created. Sure, we took the source material to do it, but we created it. Boy, looking at these Mariners jerseys, bad. night and day, man. It, it it looks like something you would get at Target. So does this mean that baseball players are going to grab the scissors, the closest scissors that they can find, and cut them up? Je suis Chris Sale. Just... We're not going to wear these. We're not going to wear these. No, we're not going to wear these. We're not going to wear these crappy pants. They're not. I mean, if you're (laughs) if you're unsure of what Dan and I are talking about, just do a search and you'll be like, because you won't want to spend one hundred dollars on one of those things. I don't even know how much jerseys cost. Let's just call it one hundred dollars. You're not going to want to spend one hundred dollars on that. And and you're definitely going to be like, wait, this is what I could get for twenty dollars on the street. 
why are Major League Baseball players being forced to wear them? Doesn't seem great. I don't know how Major League Baseball and the Players Association allowed this to happen. But I am glad that the players players themselves, maybe not the association as of yet, but the players themselves are like, nah, we're good. We're good on all of that that you ask. Like, I'm imagining there's going to be, I wonder if guys are just going to, like, come out in the T-shirts now for spring training. Like the hitting shirts or like the? Like, like the train to rain <laughs> shirts that they usually wear in spring training. Or rain in October shirts that they wear in spring training. I Studs, who were you saying came into camp in the best shape of their life? Oh, Michael Kopech is 20 pounds lighter. How? Okay, first of all, that guy is a machine. Like, he looks like an Adonis. Do you mean to tell me that he's even better shape than he was last year? If that's possible. I don't know if he said that. He said that he's 20 pounds lighter. Everyone's always 20 pounds lighter. Is he still doing deadlifts? Look how much I can deadlift, bro. That's a stupid thing for a baseball player to it do. Really why, it why would a baseball really player is. deadlift? It really is. Because they did it at that special fancy place he worked out at in Texas. I wonder if, if when it's all said and done, Michael Kopech is, is going to do the Jake Arietta. We've got the Popeye's spokesperson, Lawrence, the Popeye's actress. Yes. Her name is Tadase, T-A-D-A-S-A-Y, Tadase Young. Yes, it is. That is her name. Tadase Young Robinson? She is yeah, on, she's married. She is on Instagram. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we've lost Lawrence. My, Go get it, baby. That's my fault. Well, she's, she's got someone else, so it's fine. Yeah. But you're they be- did a good job. Yeah, I think you're better looking than he is. I mean, that's fine, but that may not be what she wants. She might want someone who's stable. <laughs> and, then, you know, this isn't. I know Ray is out, Ray is out here like, hey, hey. Hey, man. Ray is like, I'm hey, available, baby. Hey, you know? Hey. She's the, the, you can go to, uh, you can find who, who we're talking about if you go to YouTube and just look at, uh, you search Popeye's New Orleans commercial. <laughs> and that's the, the most recent one. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I'm a yeah. fan. So they got a, they got a baby. Oh, I'm happy that they well, have good a baby. For them. I'm glad that they're happy. He looks like somebody too, and I can't quite place it. Smokey Robinson? No, <laughs> Happy Chanuka. He looks like a <laughs> young <Braver>. Smokey. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. It, it, there, he, there's somebody. Smoking gonna teach you how your uh-uh works. <laughs> oh my God! I have in to case tell you. you didn't know. <laughs> I know we're up against. I have to tell you on what? New Year's Eve. Are you gonna keep me from doing my reptile story again? Yep. Oh, I'll Got save it. this. I'll save this for later. But it's a Smokey Robinson story. No, I'll tell you let's later. hear it. Let's hear it. Well, very quickly, I, I watched the Tiny Desk series with, of Smokey Robinson on New Year's Eve with my mom and then had to explain to my mom when his newer music came on, like, oh, well, mom, you see, Smokey came out with a new album, and it's there's a lot to God it. God bless you, babe, and enjoy Chinooka. Have a, little, a wonderful time. Yeah, it's, a little more explicit than usual. It's, it's way more explicit mm-hmm. than usual. It's not very sweet. Yeah, just explain that to my mother. Yeah, it's I mean, not it's good. a Smokey Robinson. It's just like Brian McKnight. Brian McKnight literally oh. made a song called "I'm gonna teach you how you work." Yeah, now that one was way more. 
like, what uh, are you extreme doing? Extreme than, than Smokey. You're the, that's a little presumptuous, I think. Uh, it yeah. totally is. Yeah. How would you know? You don't know. Smokey in his songs is hinting, very much hinting. Uh, Brian McKnight was straight up just saying the yeah. stuff. Well, I mean, the song titles of Smokey's, there's... There's not a There's lot not of, a of nuance going on. Yeah, there. It's like, he's hey, kinda, what about uh, what do you think? Of, uh, he's taking out whatever's left of uh, it and beating you over the head with uh, it. Uh, what do you think of this? Uh, why don't you show me that? That's track six. Why don't you show me that thing? <laughs> Knock the bottom out of that thing. Hi, I'm Smokey Robinson. This is my new song that I'm premiering today on BET. It's called "Why Don't You Show Me That Thing." <laughs> High noon is next. I've been waiting to do a story for three days, and I probably still won't have time to do no, it. No, we're not going to have time. All right. It's next on the score. Happy Chinooka. I have no idea what Chinooka is. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the palace alone. Yeah, right. When? High noon? Here at High Noon, we tell you what we've been talking about. We started out on a serious note, uh, lamenting the state of affairs in this country where we've normalized mass shootings because of the fetishization of guns, and how we've chosen that this is what we want based on how we vote. And it's too bad. But this is our decision. This is on us. Because this is the choices that we've made for such things. Talk about the Bulls and Kobe White and just his remarkable maturity after defeat of understanding what he did wrong and knowing what can be done better. Billy Donovan describing exactly how he drew up that play and how Kobe White has earned that opportunity on the road to take that shot. The Bears got some bad news from the Board of Review regarding what the actual assessment is for their land that they own in Arlington Heights. And now there's a deadline of a couple of days from now, a soft deadline, to try to negotiate that down and come to some agreement with the three Arlington Heights school districts. Or the Bears just have to pay a little bit more up front than they otherwise would to have everything they've always wanted. And we talked about the controversy of these awful MLB uniforms that the players absolutely despise. I'll be real quick because I know that you want to get to your story. No, 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 no. You've been trying all week to keep me from doing this story. Caitlin Clark is probably going to pass Kelsey Plum tonight. She tried on Sunday, but the game got away from Iowa. There's a little bad blood going on at the end of that game, too. Uh, Nebraska ended up winning that game against Iowa. It was a major upset by the Cornhuskers. But tonight, Caitlin Clark is going to go to break Kelsey Plum's scoring record. Tickets are starting to go north of $1,000 to get in to Carver Hawkeye Arena. Wow. Uh, So, look, it um, it is amazing what she's accomplished. And what she's done for the sport. It's cool to see people try to get in to watch her play. And and now that she's going for this, this record, she even said, yeah, I had to tell a lot of people no. 
because obviously I'm sure there are, are family and friends and friends of friends it's like oh I know Caitlin we used to go gigging together back in the day frog gigging I don't know I don't know if that's what, something she did oh but whatever well, whatever sort of connection that you think that you have to her you're like oh let me get some tickets from her no you got to pay for these tickets and even on the resale value you're paying 10 20 times what they would ordinarily go for what is Carver Hawkeye seat 17 I, I don't know but they're gonna be full tonight a thousand dollars yeah to get in and those tickets are usually 15 bucks you want to be a part of history and she is doing that she is if I'm her as long as nobody runs on the floor when it happens and knocks her over if I'm her I don't know if the WNBA is the move. You got one more year that you could play, and you're gonna get made. You make millions just being you for one more year. Well, I certainly think it's worth doing the math. Oh, would you look at that? We are out of time. We are out of time. That is too bad. Uh, Ty Noon, we do it every day around this time. When we come back, why don't we get into some hardcore? quarterback breakdowns and this analyst doesn't like what this analyst said can we have strong opinions about the bears quarterback and make sure that our opinion matters no we don't do that here okay it's not our bit and i get what I, you're not being fair to the afternoon show i get what <laughs> they're saying say anything about it. what i get what they're saying have your, your opinion, voice heard have your voice heard your opinion matters to them to Parkins and Spiegel and Shane and Wait. Danny. Don't you think somebody's opinion matters to Shane? No. Okay. Well, I mean, let's not, let's not get carried away. He's a little bit more sensitive than you give him credit for. He he is often swayed by people's opinion of him and other things. He's a good man and thorough. We'll talk Bears quarterbacking next on the score. The score. The score. This hour is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. Oh, I've only watched Caleb Williams three games last year, three this year, so I'm only halfway done, okay? The one thing that I that is clear, he is not special. It's Merrill Hodge on NBC Sports Chicago talking with Schrock and Awe. Josh Schrock. Merrill Hodge has had some strong thoughts about quarterbacks in the past. Some very right, like Johnny Manziel, for example. Mm-hmm. And some wrong. And some wrong. Which is the point of all of this. And the same goes with everybody. Correct. Paid expert, expert, capital E experts paid to have these thoughts on projecting college players into the NFL. One Including of, front office people. And one of whom was a guest on our show just a couple of weeks ago. Daniel Jeremiah, who had some things that he wanted to share about the assessment given by Merrill Hodge. I don't agree with him on this one. Um, I, I just don't. And I, you know, the, the pushback I would have is, man, if 39 games is not enough to evaluate Justin Fields, but three games this year are enough to evaluate and make uh, solid statements on Caleb Williams, that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. So I've seen a lot of Caleb Williams. I've seen everything he did last year. I've seen everything that he did this year. He is, to me, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, in terms of ability, is the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes we've seen. Um, He's got unbelievable arm talent. I mean, I'm talking arm strength from different angles, from different platforms, the creativity, 
when Mahomes was was coming out of college, it was screens and scrambles. That's what he majored in. It was helter skelter. Um, he had a lot of work that he had to do footwork wise, and that's one of the reasons why they redshirted him a year there uh, behind Alex Smith. And they they drilled that into him, and they were able to take all the talent that he had, which was still raw, and were able to corral it and develop it. And then what you see is what you get. I don't think the Mahomes that we see now is the exact same Mahomes we saw when he was coming out of college, which is to say he got better and he developed and that's where he is now. There's no perfect prospect, Rich. Uh, Where you go matters. Uh, It's going to matter a lot for Caleb Williams, but I believe in my opinion, this is one of the more physically gifted and talented players at the position we've seen in a while. Um, And some assembly is required and he's going to need to go to the right place and get developed. Um, But no, I wouldn't make that uh, declarative statement that he's, uh, that he's not going to be very good. Fair or not though, Mahomes is going to loom over this whole proceeding Uh, in the same way that Brady's looming over the whole proceeding with Mahomes is blossoming and becoming an all time great in front of our eyes over the last six years as starter because of two things. One, when Mahomes is being the goat that he is right now, that's the league that Caleb Williams is entering, (laughs) number one. And then number two, the fact that the Bears traded up in the Mahomes draft for Mitchell Trubisky and then allowed Mahomes to still be on the board for Reed to trade up and go get, that has haunted every conversation about the quarterback position in Chicago to the present day with Justin Fields. So fair or not, that 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 looms. So I guess my question for you is, with Shane Waldron there in Chicago, when you say best fit, is that is that a good fit? Like, will, will Williams blossom um, in Chicago with their current roster in their current building and and uh, OC? Well, I think there's still, you know, there's a lot of work to be done there, you know, and, uh, you know, I think Waldron has a good reputation. Um, he's somebody who's respected the people that I know that know him. I don't personally know him, mm-hmm. uh, but I've heard good things there. They still need to continue to add to that offensive line. They need another complimentary piece uh, to DJ Moore, who, who played really well last year. Um, and I think you're going to have to have some patience. I mean, I, I do agree from the sense that, you know, CJ Stroud, what he did last year was so phenomenal and so outside the norm um, to just hit the ground running like that. I, I don't think that that Caleb is as polished as some of these other quarterbacks, but the the ceiling is what you're chasing there, and that's going to require some patience. So, um, no, everything I've heard about Waldron's good. I like some of the pieces they have there in Chicago. There's still more work to be done, uh, but you can you know you can dream on on what Caleb Williams can be and. People say, oh, you're chasing the ceiling. I'm like, yeah, well, you look around the NFL right now at the high level of quarterbacks, and it's hard. Uh, it's hard to say, I, I just want a steady Eddie, you know, guy. I, I, I want to go chase what they have. I want to have one of these cyborg quarterbacks to go uh, blow for blow with these elite guys. I think you have to, right? And, that, and that's the whole point. That's, that's the whole point is to it, can Justin Fields, after, as you said, 39 games of evaluation, take that next step and be that guy? Or do you start the clock from the very beginning and um, and go get Caleb Williams? Do you think that's an upgrade? Is Caleb an upgrade in your estimation? I, I think he's, you know, just looking at who they were coming out, I, I think he's he's more gifted than than Justin. And I think he does things faster. You know, everything's a little bit faster. Now, Justin, obviously, speed-wise, is on, is on his own level there. But just in terms of quick feet, quick hands, quickly getting from one to two to three, I've seen Caleb do those things. Um and, you know, there's just some instinctual stuff that he has, some creativity, you know, some magic, whatever you want to call it. Um, he has that. So there's a couple things, and that's courtesy of the Rich Eisen Show in there. 
I agree with Daniel that six games is not a lot of tape to make an evaluation off. And I imagine, I don't know this for sure, but I imagine that some of the six games that Merrill Hodge is talking about were the three worst that Caleb Williams played this year. Where, where I would push back on Daniel is 39 games in the NFL is very different from 39 games in college that people need to stop doing the apples for apples thing too, where you're comparing Caleb Williams's college career to Justin Fields's professional career. If you like, like at the end where he's saying, I think that he's, he's got bigger upside that there's a higher ceiling. I'm good with that. If that's what you believe, I just don't think that, we, we, we still don't know what's going to happen to Caleb when he becomes a pro, which was part of Merrill's point. Like, inside of that, once you get past the shock of he's not special, he's not Patrick Mahomes, inside of... The meat of it was well beyond that. Yes. The meat of it was there are things that I see on his college tape that I wonder if he's going to be able to replicate in the pros. It's... In inexact science, it's why everyone seems to get it wrong, including NFL evaluators. And I'm not talking about the draft people. I'm talking about folks in the front office. I've been sitting on this. Me and Ray were talking about this when you went to Savannah. I've been thinking about, like, really talking about this. So I guess now is probably the best time to do it. One of the things that I don't like inside of the conversation about Justin Fields is everyone seems to agree. The first year was trash. The second year was trash. We all seem to agree that he was put in a terrible situation. But when we get to the end of the evaluation on Justin, it's, well, he should have overcome that. Sure, it was a bad situation that he was put in his rookie year when they made him the number two, and he clearly wasn't ready for that. I understand what you mean by, oh, it was bad, and they did a bad job with him in that first year. But you don't get that back. You you can't just erase the effect that that experience had on him. I, I agree. But you also can't just then say, I understand that he was dealt a bad hand, and now this this year was the year where you could really start looking at, has there been growth? And even with the growth, well, it's not enough growth. Well, what about those first two years? Well, I know it was a bad deal for him, but he should have been able to jump over all of that. Show me quarterbacks who do that. Where are they? Where Where are the ones that really jump over bad situations well, to that, become stars? Now, that is actually, to answer that logically, might be an example of begging the question. Because the ones who do we don't describe as having been in a bad situation. We may not know they were in a bad situation. Well, like, for example, let's take Baker Mayfield. Bad situation. And usually that's what happens. Now, this is the great thing for Caleb, is that he's in a much better situation than what a number one draft pick would be in. The team's better than most teams that draft first. It's part of the reason that I push back on people saying that Bryce Young is a bust. His situation is horrible. It, it they is, traded away all of the skilled position they, players. Yeah, He had nobody to throw to. 
and no one to block for him. And he's teeny, teeny, tiny. Well, that's beyond situation. Little guy. But when things got better for Josh, for example, when he and Dable got together, and you go, oh, what happens when a really talented quarterback gets a coach who kind of understands him? Then the learning can happen. How much learning did you really expect Justin Fields to have in his first two years as Bears quarterback? A bad situation has been a Bears thing forever, for whether it was Cutler or Grossman or whoever it is, and, and, and going through that horrible list of coordinators and quarterbacks, coaches, and every name you want to include there, it didn't matter. You're right. Now, I think the situation is much better. And I I agree with Daniel that if you're just looking at the raw materials of what that guy is, I would say that his ceiling is higher. I do still have questions about how he's physically made up, and I have questions about what the mental makeup is. For me, the the concern that I would have from his side, too, is – as much as we talk about the toxicity of the conversation and the and the intensity of the tribalism that's been going on here with the way the fandoms have been acting and lashing out about the tiniest perceived slights, mm-hmm. the stuff that Parkins was talking about, frankly, about he's people like, You're disrespectful, which is a which is weird in a a major sports market to talk about a, a, an athlete being supplanted is disrespectful when Respect. we're constantly trading people and firing people and benching people. And, and like that came out of nowhere. That's weird. And You're, just, just himself at the end of the season, you know, press his final press conference. He knows what's and up. even before that. Yeah. He, he yeah. voiced that he is mentally ready for whatever. But to the the people just swooping in to protect their 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 child or their pet or whatever it is here. This you're being disrespectful. He's not a teacher. Like, what, what are you talking about? So for Caleb Williams to understand not only that that context, but the fact that they're supposed to improve on seven wins next year, right? Like they're supposed to be good. They're supposed to be a playoff team next year, right? Does he realize that? That you're coming in here that there's no honeymoon. And 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 I will say that that's not a pressure that you have at USC. They were so happy at USC to have a Heisman Trophy winner and have a coach that puts up crazy numbers offensively and they won what eight games this year in 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 a a Pac-12 that was really top heavy but not so heavy at the top that USC shouldn't be competing in it. The danger that I feel, and, and shooting for the ceiling or shooting for the moon, when it comes to drafting a quarterback, is, is what I'll now label as the Mahomes fallacy. I think Eisen did a good job of, of kind of breaking it down, where there are, are people who are chasing the process or the mistakes of the process of 2017 so that they don't miss on the next Mahomes. But I, I also think that it's so unfair to Caleb Williams. 
And I know that he's made quotes about, oh, you know, I've seen the stuff that Patrick Mahomes does, and and I feel that I can do some of those things. I, I want a quarterback to be a little cocky, that he should believe in, in those types of things that he's capable of. But those, there's no reason to attach Patrick Mahomes to Caleb Williams other than you are trying to generate people looking at your breakdown. Everything that Daniel Jeremiah says about Caleb Williams can be said without invoking Patrick Mahomes' name. You don't have to do that to Williams. You can say, this guy does a great job of making plays off script. This guy has a really quick release. This guy is very mobile. You can see. I'll give you a perfect example. Say, ask Harold Miner. Yeah, that's ask Harold Miner what that's like. I'm pretty sure that I saw our guy do this, so I got to try and find it. The way that it should be done, and and that's Matt Bowen. Matt Bowen did a breakdown of Caleb Williams where it just. You didn't have to go crazy with it. Here it is. Let me read it. Take my glasses off because it's very small print. Caleb Williams, strong athletic frame, upper-tier arm talent, instinctive passer with springy release, throws with power touch location from multiple platforms, mobility, field vision to create difference making plays as a runner slash thrower, tends to turn down layups, opting for home run throws, will extend plays to his That's detriment. A mixed metaphor there. Mm-hmm. Turned down for what? Aggressive mentality can lead to negative decisions. Must play in structure at a higher rate. Top five prospect with the traits to produce in any system. That's an evaluation of Caleb Williams where you don't have to mention Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't mention his name. He just tells you all the stuff that Caleb Williams has shown on tape. What I'm trying to do, and I think that I don't think that they're doing this on purpose. Whenever we start talking about specifically quarterback prospects, the rhetoric has gotten to a point where this guy is this guy and this okay. guy is this guy. L- let me ask, ju- just to sort of set the history here, when did this start? Because even when, even when Andrew Luck was being scouted, the way I heard it, or Carson Palmer, the way you heard it was, and I think we talked to Brian Billick about it, and he said something like, Andrew Luck is the cleanest quarterbacking prospect since John Elway. And that's fine. That means most upside, least downside. But there was no direct comparison. And I don't remember this happening before. Was Has there been somebody where you say, this guy, he's he's all, it's the closest thing you're going to get to this. Why are we doing it with Mahomes? Because and that, what that's mm, that's the frustrating part. Why would you do it with a unicorn? That's, don't chase unicorns. That's, why would we, you do it? We did this. Don't compare people to Nikola Jokic. Why? Why is that the thing? I why think, can't the the scouting report be as clean as what Matt Bowen did? It, I agree with you on that, but I think that you have to be careful if you're doing it. So what I heard and what Daniel Jeremiah was saying was if you look at Patrick Mahomes' college film, Caleb Williams is similar to what we saw from Patrick Mahomes in college. 
And then the people that draw the line to, well, that means he can be Mahomes now. That's where the fallacy comes in. That's where you have to be like, well, no, you can't expect that. You can look and say, hey, Caleb Williams did a lot of stuff in college that Patrick Mahomes did too. And then just stop there and be like, well, this is what Caleb Williams is. And just move on. And you don't have to be, you don't have to put the unicorn, the the getting to the unicorn status on him. I think the comparison, like we, it's something that's done in sports all the time. And I understand it. Like you want your brain automatically is like, does this thing look like, what does it look like? Does it look like this thing or does it look like this thing? With Mo, I wouldn't do this pretty much with any other quarterback. It's just that he's so unique. The, the, like, the danger is us being here in November where maybe Caleb's starting to figure some of the stuff out, but it's not happening quickly enough. And we get the text message or the phone call. I thought this guy was supposed to be Patrick Mahomes. Well, that's going to happen no matter what. They, I, the cat's out of that bag. I know, but that's what I'm saying, that we need to not do that as often. And I'm not talking about us. I'm talking I, I about agree. we. That's completely out of our control. That, well, and that that's is, why that's what I'm saying is the comparisons to Mahomes should stop the second he steps on a pro field. Like, it shouldn't. You can't compare them anymore once they're both pros. I don't know if I necessarily even agree with Daniel's breakdown of Mahomes as a college player, by the way. You know what? Uh, Bomani Jones and Spencer Hall on Bomani's pod, like they did it. Spencer Hall's great. Like he's really great. Can talk all sorts of stuff. But he and he and Bomani were kind of going back over like what Mahomes was. And Spencer made a point about how he thinks that Cliff Kingsbury did a really good job getting Mahomes ready for the pros. And while it didn't necessarily look great at Texas Tech because they were finishing seven and five and six and six every year, that he understood what he had and was like, I'm going to give you opportunities to work on stuff that's going to make you a special player as a pro. And I think that Lincoln Riley does that. I think that that's Lincoln Riley has put all of his quarterbacks in a position where they can look great, not good, but great. But there should also be a little bit of, of hesitancy with that, where you look at the Lincoln Riley quarterbacks and you go, are they, are they good? I would say good to better than good, better than average. Are they great? I have questions about that. And that system allows for them to be great in college, which is to go back to Merrill Hodge's point of can your guy do this in the pros? Well, that's why people get paid a lot of money to make those decisions and they're often fired. They're and they're often wrong. And and we saw in 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 our city someone be massively wrong about that because I imagine because they had an idea of, well, Mitch is blank. He drives a certain car. We had dinner with him. We have conviction and we collaborated. Yeah. That is one thing that I hope that I, I agree with people in the scouting world that talk to you about games played. Like that's something where, and Caleb's got that, like Caleb's got a, a really good amount of games played in college where it isn't just a guy having a great year 
and then him bouncing off. But then the argument against that is, well, what about Joe Burrow? And you're right. Because it's an art, not a science. When we return, a local athlete, a star athlete locally, has a brand new podcast that aims to accomplish some important things. We've talked about them a lot. I, However, I, I'm a, a little, I think it was unfortunate the way the announcement of the podcast was teased. And we'll talk about all that next on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. In Odyssey Station, 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 Station. You never know what the next person going through. You never know what conversation you can have with a person to help their day be better, to carry on to help the next person day be better. You know, it becomes a chain reaction because it's not a day that I get up where I don't realize or I look at somebody like, you know, we all going through something, some type of way. Jamar DeRozan with Layla Rahimi on NBC Sports Chicago talking about mental health. And he has been on the forefront, not just in the NBA, but in the large part since 2018 in sports of being somebody who has gotten over any any fears, any blockages you might have had about talking about what had been a taboo subject. And he is going to be starting a brand new podcast called Dinners with Damar. It's a series. I don't think it's just a podcast. It's it's video as well. And he's going to sit down with athletes and celebrities and have dinner and talk about mental health journeys. And he told his story, and I think it's great what he's doing. I'm I was a little dismayed by the rollout, and part of it was the the history what what got it all going when he finally had the courage to speak out was in 2018 and he put out a single tweet in 2018 he tweeted this depression get the best of me and that sparked the larger conversation and awareness so the other night when we saw that he tweeted a picture of that tweet from 2018 that just said, this depression get the best of me. And I was scared. Me too. It was scary. I was worried that DeMar had, that his depression had like relapsed. It'd gone back to a dark place. And, you know, he's talked about it and he talked with Layla about what happened. And it's, it's been documented in a couple different places. He's spoken on some some podcasts about it. I do think that you, I agree with you that it's really important what he's doing, but I was, as someone who wants DeMar to continue to be happy and healthy, I was taken aback by that, and I was like, oh, you know, this is not good for DeMar. I don't like that that was used as kind of a way to kick off this thing that is so important. And I imagine is going to be well done. I don't know. It, it just kind of hit me the wrong way because ordinarily when you see messages like that, that type of cryptic message, especially on Facebook back in the day where someone would be kind of passively aggressively trying to alert you that they need help. If that were a friend of mine, I would have called immediately. Exactly. I would have reached out immediately. 
I would have texted. I would have if I had seen something like that. My first thought would be, what What can I do? How so can it, I help? So it feels manipulative. I didn't like it to to use that as the springboard for a conversation that is really important. Exactly. You don't you don't screw around with stuff like that. Something that sounds like a cry for help when when those of us who have had people close to us where we were extremely concerned about, I mean, some very serious situations when, when my wife was going through her initial onset of bipolar two. And I felt like I, I didn't know if I could leave her alone. And we, it was a, a long journey from a very, very dark place that took a lot of work and it took a, a, a and, it, and every day the, the, the battle continues. It's never, it's never over, and it's not linear. But when when I see a message like that, and it takes me right back to a time when I was constantly having to be reassured that I could that I could leave her alone. Yeah, it. Whenever you hear someone seemingly need something or is feels vulnerable enough to say something publicly, that's why. Like it, it, it shook me a little bit. Because you're sensitive to that, whether it's your own experience or that you have empathy for Damar. It's like, oh, no, like what happened? Is Damar okay? Right. And then to come out the other side of it is like, oh, well, this was this was kind of a marketing tool. It it, it doesn't feel great. Even if the reason that what he's doing is good. What he's doing is wholly good. I don't think those ends justify those means. And, it, it, you know, my, my personal response was, oh, no, is DeMar okay? And then I felt it was a little cheap to say, oh, he was, he was teasing this new series. Yeah, we had made reference in the meeting. It was the – that if it's Snoop Dogg saying I'm giving up pot. He, no, he said I'm giving up smoke. smoke. Giving up smoke. And, and then- even then – even then, there was an outpouring of, hey. You don't have to do that. Why are you doing no, that? You don't are have you to, all right? You don't have to do it alone if you need help, if you need support. We're here for you. And then it was, oh, I'm going with the smokeless stove. Yeah. And there were some people who felt a little taken advantage of in that regard. Yep. I get it. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're you're echoing how I felt about it. I was very, very... Concerned, and the reason for the concern is because of knowing what, at least from what he's willing to share, knowing what Demar has said about those dark places and dark times that he's fallen into. It just, I don't know, it just felt, it felt manipulative. But I do like that this is a continuation, that the, the, podcasts themselves the dinners with demar themselves are going to be a place and maybe this is a subject that comes up how can one ask for help without complete alarm bells being rung is is there a space in between where you can feel vulnerable enough to talk about some of this stuff but maybe it doesn't it it doesn't hurt someone else's right. mental health when they see you talking about it. I don't know. I don't know if that'll end up being a, a subject inside the dinners with DeMar, but I'm glad that he's taking the next step in feeling comfortable 
talking about it publicly, talking with other people who might feel more comfortable because he's the one initiating this conversation and they know what he's been through. So overall, to me, it's a net positive. It just was clumsily rolled out, in my opinion. There's a text here that says, uh, Dan, I have my first better help session today, in part thanks to you. Awesome. Great. Awesome. I hope uh, I hope you find it helpful, fulfilling. and Sometimes it's just nice to talk to people. Yeah. Like right. Sometimes you just need to be able to voice stuff. Sometimes hearing yourself say something mm-hmm. is really important. And the more experience you have with it, it's funny, we always joke in our family, because all of us are in therapy, that it's almost like, we all talk therapist. Oh. So every it's sometimes even like the most casual conversations result like, well, well, why do you think you felt that way? And then we also then look at each other. And it's everyone's like, well, we we've all spent so much time you know, learning how to break down the way we feel. It just it it's it we all approach conversations that way. And and our daughter is obviously studying to do it for a living right now. Right. So she's a lot more schooled than the rest of us are in in the yeah but you know you know it has been my experience that those folks who are empathetic and find themselves as counselors they are some of the folks that need counseling more than anybody else you know that's one of the things on the sopranos that i thought was really well handled dr melfi the dr melfi in her own sessions with it was Peter Bogdanovich, right? Mm-hmm. Yet another bulls killer because his last name is Bogdanovich. Not related, Do- just like the other no, two. But are it not doesn't related. matter. It doesn't matter. Bojan Bogdan and even I think the late director and actor Peter Bogdanovich, he'd come in in a quarter and he'd get twelve points on the Bulls, and then they're down eight and they call timeout. But he played her therapist, and when they took it to that level of what the burdens she was taking on the questions and that was only one client yes that's one patient i should say that's only one can you imagine if that's your job all day and it's part of how they train uh, licensed social workers and, and psychotherapists to be able to have their own distance from it and their own way of processing everybody else's problems it's become one of the central plot points to law and order special victims unit like Olivia is in therapy and they show her in therapy w- working through some of these cases and so you know it's a it's a good thing to 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 be out there and try and figure yourself out and what your connection is to the world and it's dangerous too cuz you find out stuff that maybe you didn't know but if if you're working with the right person it can be life changing in a very positive way. So I'm glad for Damar that he's taking the next step with it, that he's gone from just sharing his issues with trying to be a place where other people can get some of the help just by talking through some of this stuff. So I applaud him for that. The uh, first three guests are Draymond Green. Dwayne Wade and Damian Lillard. So wow, it should be very fascinating. I mean, he's not starting with an easy one there no. in the first place. No, I mean Draymond is still like lashing out at people. 
He lashed out at, at Yusuf Nurkic and Kevin Durant over the last couple of days. I mean, Nurkic openly said, I hope he gets the help he needs. And and now Draymond is taking that as a slight when it, it, felt very, it felt very sincere from Nurkic. You know, it didn't feel like. Well, I'll say I, I heard after that game, Steph Curry, and I know he's his teammate, but Steph Curry crediting Draymond for doing what he does, but within the bounds of like, like just being at the the border, the, the echo of, of the yeah. whistle type stuff. Right, exactly. But the problem is, is that too often he's gone above and beyond Absolutely. the echo of the whistle. Absolutely. There was a cub thought from yesterday that we wanted to circle back to. Yeah, there, there was something inside the press conference that I figured that we could talk around a little bit. Um, I don't know if we'll have time to take feedback from people on it, but I at least wanted to throw it out to the people. Also, I think that the spring training caps for both the White Sox and the Cubs are pretty dope. That's neither here nor there, but we will talk Cubs next here on The Score. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, Midday's Hint and on Sports Radio 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station, Odyssey Station, Odyssey Station. Pitchers and catchers have reported across Major League Baseball for the latest news on the Cubs or the White Sox. Try listening to chapters from our show. Every topic we cover is broken out, so you can find what matters most to you. To get started, download the Odyssey app, then search for 670 The Score and tap on a recent episode of our show. Some unfinished business from Cubs press conferences. Yeah, there was a, there was a question that was asked of Jed Hoyer. Studs, do we have it? The, the question that was asked of Jed Hoyer that I really started thinking about you know, we were thinking about like the the whole press conference that we played. I wonder how Cubs fans themselves feel about what Jed was asked. Jed just kind of off that, you know, if, if this roster kind of is what it is and there aren't any more major additions over the next couple of weeks, do you feel like the front office has given Craig a, a playoff caliber roster? How do you kind of look at the the team as a whole right now and Obviously, what you guys want to accomplish this season. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to feel, you know, complete. You know, in my 20 plus years, I've never gotten to a place where I felt like uh, you just kind of turn it over to the manager and, and like, you know, went and played golf. And that's not how this, this thing works. You know, I think that we're always going to be looking for upgrades, um, both now and and all season long. And that's what that's that's our job. Um, yeah, I'm excited about where we are as an organization. Uh, I think that we have a lot of good young veteran players on the team. I think we have uh, a ton of young talent, and um, I'm probably more excited for this spring than most springs just because we have so much young talent in camp, and that's what's really you know fun in this job is watching those guys play, watching those guys develop. You know, young players, young talent, that's that's where the game is right now. That's the currency of, of baseball, and um, you know, that's the part of our, the organization that gives me the, uh, the most confidence, and I'm, I'm excited to watch those guys every day this spring. So where I'm stuck at now, because I'm still, you know me, I March 1st, that's when my designated time to worry. On I the, like that. I'm, I'm going to, I'll take you up on that. March 1st. But, but here's my thing. Is it possible that the signing of Craig Council accelerated what the expectations 
for all of us. And that the Cubs, as an organization, maybe aren't where we think they should be. Well, the question is, what does Craig Council know? What was he told about what they were going to be? Or they say, hey, come work your low-budget magic here so we don't have to spend as much money. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure to put on a manager to find those extra, you know, three or four games. Well, if you remember, I noted yesterday when we were scribbling as they were talking, after Megan Montemurro asked that question, there was a follow-up, and I'm... It was rephrased. It was, somebody said, bit. if I may, like, if I may use that and, and, and rephrase what and, Megan and, said. And, and honestly, he, I'm glad that because Jed Dodge did a little he, bit. Totally. He said, have you done enough? That was, so it was a much more, it, it was, and I thought, more Me- direct. I thought Megan did a great job setting that up, but somebody else was like, all right, well, just to, to rephrase what, what Megan said, do you think you've done enough? He didn't answer. He didn't answer. I would imagine that most Cubs fans would say, no, you haven't done enough. I would say no. It was just something that, like, it stuck with me is, I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I maybe they see it differently. Maybe they thought that they're. Their year to be the team that could find itself in the World Series was last year. And maybe what we're seeing is, okay, let's be ready for when we're ready to be that team again by hiring the right manager. And maybe they're not looking at 2024 as a year where the Cubs are going to take the division. But again, I'll feel, however, once we get to March 1st and – there could be a lot more activity that takes place for the Cubs between now and then. Free agency is just later. It's just later now. But the, that thought crept into my head yesterday of what if they're not ready to compete? What if looking at the way the Diamondbacks did things last year and the Cubs being so close gives a false sense of competition for them? But they can decide it. See, your proximity to contention is defined by, is your center fielder Cody Bellinger or is it Pete Crow Armstrong? Mm -hmm. And you're telling us something with that. Because he still needs a lot of work. Can't hit. That would seem to be a problem. And a little too... I know. A little too much dip (laughs) on his chip out there in center field, too. Catch the ball. <laughs> Lawrence LaRusso over here. Well, I have to find out how sincere he is. Uh, right? You're, about, a, you're a Hall of Famer baseball person. Trying to catch the ball. Just a little. You, you don't have to Willie Mays haze it every time. Just catch the ball. Just catch the ball. Nice catch, Armstrong. Don't ever freaking do it again. Just catch the ball. We get it. We see it. Mm-hmm. Nice we, catch. Know, we know you're really good. Sometimes just catch it. You know, we all, it's always cool when, when famous guests you know, come in here sort of without an entourage and, and they're confident enough to show up on their own and they don't need, like, their people monitoring everything. Dude, dude, dude brought folks with him today. Well, he, always, he pretty much always does this. Brings his, brings his people. You know? He usually brings one of the smarter people in his house. I guess that that's that's smart to keep him from you know making bad decisions. Either all, the all, wife or the daughter always has a any a one of them smarter than him. Yeah, he knows it. Jason Leisure is going to sit in with us next on the score. Let's go now! You fired the first shot. Let's go, man. Jason Leisure. I'm here in the studio at the score. This is a very, very special honor. 
for you. There's reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. H-I-T-S, they all stand for try hard. So for the coaches, it's now H is for, hey, don't do that. I is for, I wouldn't do that if I were you. T is for, that's a bad thing to do. And S is for, stop, you're fired. I don't know if I really look at it that way, Jay. Co-host of the Sports Adjacent Podcast. I was driving to my dad's house before recording this. I was like, man, I'm really in the mood for a beer. Just one. And then I remembered, like, all the beer at my dad's house is gross. Jason Leisure with Bernstein and Holmes on the score. Jason Leisure's here to talk bears and more. And he's here. Like, actually, here, here. So, that's pretty cool. He's on Twitter, at Jason Leisure. How you been? Hello. Hello. I'm good. How about we continue the conversation, since you both are more interested in that than us talking about football. What conversation? The one we were having in the break? about the cereal. About Snoop Dogg's cereal? Yes. This is a great story. I thought everyone would have known about this because I heard about it. I didn't know about it. Usually what happens is if I've heard about something, everyone else has known about it for a month. So what happened? But apparently it's the opposite where I've known about this for a month. You know, Dan. Well, you guys are both cereal aficionados, though. Yeah, and we're, you know, young and cool and follow. (laughs) You know, we know what's going on. In the streets. Yeah, we, we hear stuff. And the streets. Yeah. Uh, so this is an amazing controversy to me, and I hope I can remember it all. Maybe if you have more of the, the, the hard and fast details, if you, I if have you need the, to chime in with them. I have the 34-page lawsuit right here. Good. All right. So comb through that and just highlight some stuff. that you know. Read the whole thing, though. Well, read, I'll give you this is the news story. This is the way that uh, NPR explained it, where they said <laughs> Snoop Dogg and Master P – are suing Walmart and post-consumer brands, arguing that the companies intentionally left their cereal off shelves and hid it in stock rooms in an attempt to sabotage their brand. They created Broadus Foods, named after Snoop Dogg, Broadus, Calvin Broadus, with the goal of adding diversity to the food industry. And the suit argues that when they approached consumer brands to get support for Snoop cereal, the food manufacturer attempted to buy it outright. They declined the purchase offer, saying it would believe it would destroy the whole purpose of leaving the company to their families. So Post wanted them out. They're well, like, we don't want you coming at us with this well, you know, no, Fruit Loops with marshmallows. They, they suggested a partnership agreement. They tried to buy them out. Right. That's what and I'm then, saying. Right. Then said, all right, partnership and promotion agreement. They'd manufacture, market, distribute, and sell the cereal. Yeah. And then they'd split the profits. So but, they tried to buy them out, and, and Snoop said no. Right. And then they said, oh, well. Um, let's be partners. Let's be family. Why don't you come in under the post-cereal umbrella? We'll help. And then they pretended to help, but they didn't treat it like one of their brands, and they instead defrauded them by choking them out. So they couldn't be produced or sold by a competitor. My guess would be to say, well, you're, it's not selling. You're just going to have to be, you know, do away with it or give it to us. Then they could take it over and actually try to market it. Yeah. And Snoop's allegation in the lawsuit is that they did distribute this to Walmart, but that Walmart was in cahoots with mm-hmm. Post mm-hmm. and never put this stuff on the shelves. They hid it in the back. Employees found it later in the back, like stowed away with old mops and stuff like that. <laughs> and Walmart's like, whoa, we don't, I, you know, people are looking for it. People are looking for, I don't know what the names of some of these cereals are, um, but they're like looking for these Brodus Foods Company cereals on the shelves and they're not there. And Walmart's like, yeah, they're, they're really popular. They're sold out. When really all along, Walmart allegedly is sabotaging this whole thing. And behind the scenes saying nobody's buying this crap. Making like, sure nobody buys this. Yep. 
which A, means that Snoop and Master P uh, are losing money on their distribution deal with Post. Their cut of this deal, like their commission is going down. And it's B, like taking down their whole idea and their whole brand to the point that it's not going to survive. That's what Snoop and Master P are alleging in this lawsuit about cereal against Post Cereals and Walmart, which is just an amazing sentence. Kind of makes you say, uh, about cereal. <laughs> Thank you, three, Ray. There's three types. Of cereal? Uh, yes. Uh, the Snoop Cereal Fruity Hoops with Marshmallows. Okay, so that one is Fruit Loops with Marshmallows. Snoop <laughs> Snoop Cereal Cinnamon Toasties. Is that just Cinnamon Toast Crunch, basically? Basically. Okay. Snoop Cereal Frosted Drizzlers. Drizzlers. <laughs> what is that one? Uh, that one is a sweet and crunchy frosted whole grain wheat cereal that meets WIC eligibility requirements. Is it Frosted Flakes, basically? I or? think it is. Okay. All right. So Snoop, was, Snoop and Master P were basically making knockoff Fruit Loops Cinnamon Toast Crunch. But isn't that what any cereal yes. that isn't already Fruit Loops or Cinnamon Toast Crunch or Apple Jacks is trying? I could yes. actually go for some Apple Jacks. Right I could now. always go for some Apple Jacks. We were just Did, having I, this conversation today, Studs and I, because I am a cereal guy now for the past few, I don't know, the past year and a half or so. I've, I've gotten back up on the cereal, and one of the things that I've fallen into is like, oh, okay, I'll go for something quote-unquote healthy. Yeah. And I'll go for Cheerios because, you know, they're heart-healthy Cheerios. And yeah, there's now a ton of there's, sugar. In, and now yeah. there's a new story today that came out today, a new study, that apparently that there is some chemical being used on the oats uh, that General Mills uses that causes infertility. What? I immediately threw my Cheerios out this morning. Aww. you, I see Ray every morning with his little bowl of Cheerios. Little did he know. Little did I know, man. Yeah, maybe switch over to Crunch Berries then. Oh, that increases fertility like tenfold. <laughs> <laughs> you you have enough. You want to be a man? <laughs> you walk by women. They Eat some Crunch Berries, <laughs> brother. <laughs> you guys ever had the, the knockoff brand of Crunch Berries? It's called Colossal Berry Crunch. It's awesome. <laughs> really? It is really? so good. Stud has wow. been preaching the gospel of what is it called again? Colossal, Colossal Berry <laughs> Crunch all morning. Is that it, is that Doctor Lightning? We used to, we used to get, you know how it because the knockoff brands all come in those huge just bags. Bags, right? So yeah. we used to buy the yeah. biggest bag that we could. And we just sit in our dorm room eating those and playing video games. It was, it's so good. Who makes that? What grocery store is that? Well, you can get it. I think we used to get it at Walmart. Okay. It's just the off brand. I think you can get it like at anywhere that sells the off brands. I I grew up on the off brand cereal because we, I was, you know, at my mom's house, she didn't allow us to eat anything like that. My mom is a health nut, a fitness instructor. That's going to suck. Yeah. In fact, you know what would happen is sometimes we would every now and then we'd get so lucky to get a good cereal in the house. And my mom would make us cut it with a healthy cereal. So like, so if, she would pour in, in like great nuts in into your yeah, apple jacks. Yeah, like more commonly would be like, man, you know, we you should have come to my house in the day. My my friends love coming over and and looking at what was in the pantry at our house because we had whatever we wanted. That's kind of what it was like at my dad's house, which you know, so like if at my mom's we were lucky enough to somehow get cocoa krispies into the house, you had to cut that with regular rice krispies, half and half. To make it healthier, but at my dad's, at my, at my dad's, there was no rules like that. The only rule was you have to get the off-brand. You have to get the Piggly Wiggly store brand version of whatever it was. So instead of Lucky Charms, you're getting you know Cir- Circus Stars right. or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, yeah. 
Terry the Tiger. They're food. Speaking of the characters, <laughs> do you, since we brought you guys brought up the conversation about the Brodus Foods and the Master P and Snoop Dogg Is cereals. Is there news? Oh, well, no. There's, well, there's just mascots, right? The, yes, on these boxes that were allegedly hidden at Walmart. What are Is, you doing, Walmart? Is it because one of them's a crip? Is that no, why? Well, I don't know, but um, here I'll I'll I'm gonna read pull this. this up too, so I can see it. I, I will read this description. Is he wearing from, flags? Is that the issue? All right, the description goes <laughs> like this from the the press release from Brodus Foods. The colorful Snoop cereal boxes feature a lineup of characters, including K9 team leader Captain Ace, Max, Hercules, Roxy, and Mr. Polar Bear. And there are games on the boxes for inspiration. Yeah, it's shocking that Snoop cereal would be blue. I'm shocked by that. There is a blue theme. Yeah, all of the boxes have, have are the words are in blue and the bottom of the box is in blue. Yep. Oh, and by the way, I was slightly off in the name of my off-brand Captain Crunch berries. It's Berry Colossal Crunch, not Colossal Berry Crunch. Uh, is it Berry as in doing the work of Very, perhaps? It's it's Berry, berry Colossal Crunch. Okay. So is Berry the mascot? No, there's no mascot. Oh. These off-brands don't have mascots. They can't, they can't afford, afford them. They can't Back afford to the Snoop Dogg. You can get a 15-pound, uh, a pack of six 15-pound <laughs> bags for $36 on Amazon. Hey. That's a steal. That sounds like a steal <laughs> to me. That's a sack. That, like, that could feed a prison population. Sack of cereal. Back to the Snoop cereal, though. The Frosted Drizzlers, which are actually mini wheats. I can see that mini now, wheats. yeah. That is a blue box, but the... Um, Fruity Hoops with Marshmallows is a purple box, and the Cinnamon Toasties is an orange box. Not, a, but Yeah, but Ray, what color are the letters on every box? Yeah, the box? letters are all blue. And what color is the logo? It's blue. And what color is the bottom banner oh, it's on blue. every box? Blue on the bottom of each fir- box. And that first each mascot is bowl. also blue. Yeah, you're right. I like that everything has a Z in it. It's Fruity Hoops. It's for the streets. Well, that and sticks it to the man. Cinnamon Toasties. Streets with the Z. Yeah, yeah. That 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 means you can't be bound by the rules of society. Well, how dare Walmart allegedly hide this canine team of Snoop cereal I, in the I back? Agree. The frosted, I hope they win. The frost frosted Drizzlers mascot looks like a polar bear. Is that a dog that's a, or that's a, polar a polar bear? bear? Okay, it's kind of amazing when you really think about. And I guess time does this to all of us. When you think about what the world thought of nwa and now ice cube does family movies snoops in every commercial dr dre sells you headphones and snoop is literally in every commercial yeah figuratively from the guy snoop dogg that came out with the song murder was the case that he was on trial for murder yes nwa had a song called f the police well, I mean, Ice-T had a song called Cop Killer, and then he spent the rest of As his adult cop. life portraying a cop. Still going. Still making or, that money. Or if I may quote Ice Cube from the song Burn Hollywood Burn, red and blue lights were the common sight. Pulled to the curb, getting played like a sucker. Don't fight the power. Shoot the her. And he's doing family movies. I, saw, I think it's awesome. I saw a great real of ice tea and Mariska Hargitay because they're like tight tight and so they're sitting there and I seems really cool by she the way. seems like so cool so they're sitting there and you know ice used to be a an actual pimp and he was saying how Mariska is is one of his his girls he's got his daughter and he's got his wife 
And then he was like, but she makes me the most money. And then Mariska was like, that means I'm his number one girl. Oh, no. She said that? She did. Do you know who her mom is? Uh, The famous actress whose head got. Famous, one of the great pinups of all time, Jane Mansfield. Jane Mansfield. It's her mother. Wait, you said something happened to her head? Wasn't her head cut off? Wasn't James Mansfield's head cut off in an accident? Am I thinking some other Hollywood starlet? Uh, you know, I, I got to check this now. And her dad was like a Hungarian Mickey, bodybuilder? Mickey Hargitay, yeah. Another good idea for a Snoop cereal would be Golden Grams, but spelled different. Oh, I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Red light, three adults. Uh, reports that she was decapitated are untrue. Okay. The urban legend started with the appearance in police photographs of the crashed car with its top virtually sheared off and what resembled a blonde-haired head tangled in the smashed windshield. However, her death certificate, which states her immediate cause of death to be crushed skull with avulsion of cranium and brain, rules this out. So, I mean, kind of. Still not great. Is, yeah. Not, still not the ideal outcome, but not technically wasn't, decapitated. Wasn't death certificate an Ice Cube EP? Was that an album title? I'm serious. Like, I think there was either an EP or an album title. Death certificate. Yeah, after he left NWA. I think so. That was with the Bomb Squad, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I think that's the case. I liked when we were doing cereal, colossal, very, very, you know, frosted drizzlers. Very colossal little. crunch. Well, you Sorry. know, you know, Suge's doing a podcast from jail. Ever tell you? I didn't the story even know of, you could do that. How do you tell you the story of meeting Suge Knight? No, please do. <laughs> Jonathan Hood, who works at the other radio station, used to work here, and he is an expert at voices. And I forget what type of sound alike contest it was, but the station that he works at now had a contest of can you let's call it sound like hawk because we did that dumb bleep over here jonathan won the contest and the contest was two trips two passes to vegas he's like you want to go and i was like hell yeah so we went we had a great time we're in the airport it's late when we were coming back and i say to him i go i think that's suge knight and he's like what are you doing i was like i'm gonna go say hi i'm gonna say what's up to suge so I went, he was like, don't, don't do that. I'm like, he's not going to murder us here in the airport. That's not a thing that's going to happen. So I was like, what's up, Suge? He's like, what's up, bro? I was like, ah, oh, love everything with death row. Appreciate you. He's like, I appreciate you, little bro. And that was it. Nice. So you're not Snoop Owens, death row. Look See, at that. Full I, didn't, circle. I didn't walk with Suge to baggage claim like you did with Frank Thomas. We were, our both of our, I was not following him. We were both on the same flight. Our bags were going to be at the same place. I met Snoop once. Really? And he threatened me. Oh, for yeah. what? Stuff that you had written? For, no, for my attitude, for my general disposition. Do you want, do you want yes. to hear this now? Okay. Yes, yeah. we would very much like to hear this story. So, Is I, this why you were in cahoots with Post to make it so that his no, cereal no. wouldn't be sold. Listen, I'm a journalist. I don't hold grudges. I cover people objectively. Okay. Snoop has clearly, if any part of his lawsuit is true, clearly has been wronged here. He is 100% And agreed. I am on the side of justice. All right? Uh, when I was 22 and the Bears were in the Super Bowl in Miami, I was an intern down there and got sent, got this great assignment of, we want you to just kind of 
float during Super Bowl week to whatever is interesting. You don't need to cover the Colts. You don't need to cover the Bears. I was working in Miami at the time. Uh, just, you know, find interesting stuff around town going on during Super Bowl week. So find Floyd May- Mayweather. Find, you know, Chad Johnson, uh, Ocho Cinco doing, like, some kind of thing down on South Beach, whatever. So Snoop. You can find all the Bears that week at the Clevelander. <laughs> so Snoop was. Co- Hi, Alex. Snoop was coaching. I'm uh, not Alex. <laughs> yes, you are. No, I'm not. <laughs> It's a me, Mario. <laughs> they were all there. Yeah. That might not have helped. Not great. Uh, but have fun. You're, you can only do it once, baby. See, I never understand that. I never understand this idea that, like, oh, you know, we're the game's in Miami or the game's in Vegas or the game's go wherever. crazy. Yeah, let's go. Like, don't you make enough money? You, you can, can just, just come, come back, back next yeah. weekend when there's less people. It'll right. be more enjoyable. I can't, yeah, can't you just come do that whenever Alex you was want? just having a, a land shark beer. It's fine. Okay. Uh, sorry. No, it's okay. So Snoop was coaching a youth football event at the Orange Bowl called the Snoop Bowl. And that kid was C.J. Stroud. I don't know if that's how the story ends. Oh. Is that, is that, I don't know if that, you know, 22 years ago, yeah, maybe. Or 20 years ago, maybe. Um, and so they wanted me to go to this and interview Snoop. And, and it was, I don't even remember what the questions were. They were just going to be general things. What do you, you think is going to win? Whatever. Um, and so I go and I sit. I can tell you really went into it with a lot of gusto. I probably did at the time. I just don't remember all the details of it, you know, now that I'm 40. Uh, anyway, I wait through this whole youth football game or whatever at the old Orange Bowl. And then I'm going to get to talk to Snoop afterward. And this has all been, I've been contacting the publicist and, you know, this is all arranged, which to me is, you know, good enough. Like, that's how I do business. If I schedule something with somebody, I can count on that happening. Same the other way around. Not exactly the way things work with Snoop. So this game is long over, and Snoop and the quote-unquote assistant coaches, I remember one of them was wearing a shirt that had a Wheaties box on it, but not Wheaties like you sell at the store. Wheaties. Yeah, that kind of Wheaties. (laughs) That's what he should be selling. That's like the old smoke weed every day. Do they make that in kid sizes? Uh, so <laughs> Snoop and the assistant the coaches next shirt that Dan's gonna buy. Snoop and the assistant hey, man, coaches are uh, back in the locker room after this, like you know, breaking down film. I'm sure. And the publicist comes out and she's like, he, "He's just gonna be a little while longer. Don't you know? Just just hang on, just hang on." And I'm like, "Okay." And I'm getting kind of annoyed. Like I've been waiting here for a while. She comes back like 20 minutes later and she's like. How about we, um, can we do this on the phone, you know, you know, in a few days or something like that? I'm like, no, I came down here. Like I sat through all this waiting for this and she's like, okay. And she goes back into the locker room and it's like another 20 minutes. So I've been waiting like an hour. Finally, she comes out and she gets me and she's like, okay, he's ready. You have five minutes. And I go in there and it smells exactly like you'd expect it to smell. It smells like Wheaties. And... <laughs> I, one of the things my wife has always said to me is like, I don't, I'm very, it's very obvious looking at me, like what I'm thinking. Like I'm very expressive with my face. I'm not a good poker player. And so I was definitely showing how annoyed I was by all of this when I sat down in there. And the first thing he says is, you better change your face. I'm going to have one of my guys change it for you. Well, okay. I'm like, that's a good start to the interview. So did, who, did who do you think is going to win the big game there, Snoop, Mr. Snoop? Did the interview turn out all right? Did you guys, like, find detente or? We got through it. Okay. Yeah, we did, you know, five minutes of 
Did you smoke weed? His general thoughts on things. I think I did. I, not intentionally. You got the content. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. I mean, you can't walk into a room with Snoop without. It was cloudy in there. I bet. See, that was worth that. That story is worth telling. Did you have you told that story on Sports Adjacent? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I have surprisingly interviewed a lot of famous people outside of sports. It was always like next to sports, like that, like kind of sports like, adjacent, like the podcast, right? But um, that's the only one that's really probably memorable. Meanwhile, I was in Fort Lauderdale being lied to by Tony Dungy. <laughs> About Devin? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. yeah. He I, didn't lie to you. Yes, he, he told did. you what he was going to do, and then he, God no, told him right, to do something got, different. The, 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 the <laughs> burning <laughs> bush true. and the seas parted. That's, that's and true. Everything. And then he, he was, he, some angel visited him to tell him what to do. <laughs> told him to be brave. By the way, uh, shameless plug, on House of L today i did a podcast with rashi davis about blocking for devin and i told him that story he was like oh yeah we heard all week we heard all week that they weren't going to kick to devin like i know all about it like i've heard all week that they weren't going to do it and he said that if they he said if they decided to kick to devin they knew they were going to score because the Colts special teams have been so bad. Then we got in like a 10-minute conversation how great a coach Dave Tobe is, which I'm always here for. But, yeah, straight up lied to me, to my face. You know what I always think about with Devin is that Devin is not probably the greatest uh, bear of that era as far as just his total career, although now he's got that certification of being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Erlacher is. But I think back to, like, from – Childhood, probably for me, I, and even like in adulthood, I think of guys that you had to see. You had to see when they, you had to watch Frank Thomas when he was up. You had to watch Sammy Sosa when he was up. You had to watch Patrick Kane. You just, you didn't know what you would, might miss if you weren't watching. And Devin was absolutely that guy. Just real quick before we break, the cool thing about the conversation with, with Rashid was, because Rashid was a pretty good returner in his own right. And then we started talking about it. And he was like, yeah, me and Johnny Knox and Daniel Mann. Like, they had, like, returner after returner after returner. Let's not forget, Jerry Azuma Terrific. was awesome. Terrific. As was R.W. McCorders. Yes. Glenn Milburn was the best in the league. It was really it's weird. One like one thing the Bears have actually had a great history with. The Bear Gail Sayers. Like the, the Bears have had and they've had a, any number of excellent kickoff and punt returners. I don't know why. I but they have. Yep. It, it was just fun to go down that rabbit hole and I was like, yeah, that's right. Daniel Manning used to just run through people. He used to run like his hair was Wasn't on Jerry fire. Azuma, pro bowler? I mean, how yes. many they, they had multiple. Glenn Milburn was a pro bowler. I think, I think Daniel Manning averaged one year like 29 yards of return or something stupid like so that. So the Bears have an all-time great history at something that is really not all that important. And they might well, not, have the, not the, anymore. They might have the best long snapper of all time. Well, we talked about that too. But it's like <laughs> linebackers, running backs, returners, and what? Dennis Gentry, another one. Yeah, Pinky. Very good. Um. Actual football, maybe? I don't know. With Jason Leisure next on the score.
Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. False start is when an offensive player illegally moves after lining up for, but prior to, the snap. Where are we going? Back five yards! Why? Because it's a penalty! That is Dora the Explorer explaining on Nickelodeon what was happening in the Super Bowl. She got a map, got involved. What does Dora think about all this? Boots? Was Who better. needs a map to help find the end zone? The bears. The bears did, <laughs> Dora. <laughs> Thanks Name for the help. That. You know what reminded me of the bears the other day? Is I was in the hotel and I was in the fitness center and Varsity Blues was on. I love that. I was watching it at the same time you were. I forgot how insane that movie that is. That movie's so great. But there's one part where Coach Bud Kilmer, who is totally the kind of coach the Bears would hire, is yelling at the quarterback, and he's like, "Listen, son, we can, we can, none of this passing stuff. We're a running football team. We run the ball. We control the clock. And I'm but, like, I but he would I'm... never let Wendell score because you know, racism. <laughs> there was a lot of that. Yes, but great that, movie. But that philosophy of offense great, sounded familiar movie. to me. That's right. And Mox wanted to run the oopty oop. Mm-hmm. He he wanted to run air raid stuff, mm-hmm. and they did not want him to do that because that's West. That's not West West Texas football. We run the ball. We can control the clock. We can grind our opponents down. Mm-hmm. I don't want your life. I yelled that line out when it came. Out. I was the only one in the fitness center, and I could see it coming. And I'm like, "Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I don't want your life. I'm not good at it, but I like doing it. It's the whipped cream bikini." That that's a memorable scene from Miss Davis movie, at the strip club. That yeah, there was so much stuff that I forgot. Like they see her in class the next day, she's like their math teacher or something. She's like, now boys, you know, we, keep, we keep have an agreement. Miss <laughs> Davis, will you go to prom? Billy <laughs> Bob asked her to prom. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. It's a great bad movie. People don't like people, that's not considered a good movie. Right? I, that's what I'm saying. It's a great I, bad movie. I know. I'm with you on this. And unfortunately, so crazy two of the stars are dead. Paul Walker and and Billy Bob. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, they're they're gone. All right, that's kind of a downer. And then they made the better version of the the story, which they took from Friday Night Lights. That's mm. like gets the actual Friday Night Lights and Buzz Bissinger and do that thing. I think you'd like this. I think you would like the movie, Dan. I think you would find Varsity Blues a young Allie Larder. It's funny and it's not. It's not meant to be funny at all. It's not. It's a very. Think, I I do think that. I mean the the kid like his little box's little brother with the different religions. That I I do think that they're that they're trying to be funny. These are my people. Billy I, Bob has a pig named Bacon. I don't yes. know if I can watch John Voight. Uh, he's great. In I, movie. I think I think you'll be able to watch it's him because he's the villain. He's horrible. They all hate him. He he plays exactly who he is in the movie. But is he is he doing an ac- an inconsistent accent? Yes, he's doing an inconsistent West Texas accent. Okay, because his but so like is James Vanderbeek. All I can so think is of is is one of the worst acting performances I think I've ever seen was John Voight in Anaconda. Of course, <laughs> that's another one. I and that's watch. a good that I need is to watch a, that that's too. a good bad movie. I that's because that's, that. that's got Ice Cube. It's got J Lo. It's got Eric Stoltz. I'm, I'm and, telling and you, John Voight at one point sounds like Ricky Ricardo. At another point, he sounds like Al Pacino in Scarface. 
and he doesn't know which accent he's doing at one point. And say hello to my little friends. Like, what the yeah. hell's wrong with you? This you know? this movie is a great bad movie. Which one? Varsity Blues. Oh yeah, as yeah. good as Anaconda in that regard. Yes, and even the bad CGI of the snake. They well, got snakes in here. They're, they're not really doing a lot of CGI. There's a lot of like footbally football stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. how's the football though? The the football stuff is actually pretty good. I mean, you can see that these are not high school guys, even though it's supposed to be a high school. But you know, they got some guys in there. The guy who played Wendell was like an actual football player. There was so much, but in, so in there that like I Scott Kahn is in that movie. Yep, and it's yep. like, oh, he's the number one receiver. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, if his dad could be Brian Piccolo, I, uh, apparently, apparently, football acting runs in their family. How do you think that happens? Because you see movies where someone's supposed to have a Boston accent or a British accent, and it is inconsistent. Like, how does nobody catch that? Or, about, or do the, or does the director just they, be like, whatever, fine? Kevin like, Costner I, I can't in get thirteen him to do it. days. Kevin Costner had to do that Boston accent that it was, sometimes it was there, sometimes it wasn't. Hell, uh, Carrie Fisher in Star Wars. Yeah, but I'm saying, how does it get through? How does it get through to the final film that we watched? Maybe they've done enough takes that they just, they could overdub it, I guess. And then strangely enough, when we see British and Welsh people do American accents, we're like, oh, that's... That's pretty good. Because they're great at it. Because they train on the stage for years. They all they they actually do the stage work. That's why they why are all these British actors so good? Because they work harder at it. You would think if you ever saw America First, Dan. If you ever saw Hugh Jackman in a movie, you would think that he was from like Missouri or Ohio or something like that. Yep. Yeah, they they are way better at doing our accent than we are at doing theirs. Well, I was very surprised at Succession. There's this like some British actors in there, and I yes. didn't know until the series was yeah. over. Yeah. And I started watching interviews. I was like, oh wait, yeah. he's British. He's British. Yeah, Matthew McFadden, I think, is his name. The I mean, guy that plays Tom, like Daniel Kaluuya, his actual accent is almost incomprehensible. It's so thick, and then he he can do anything. Yep. And Benedict Cumberbatch can't say the word penguins. Or aluminum. Well, that's common. Aluminium. Aluminium. But he says he can't say penguins. He, he says can say it. No, he can't. He He's said, allowed. He's he, one of them. He says penguins. That's the only way you can say it. He calls him. It's like people say jaguar yeah. instead of jaguar, which I hate. Yeah. What about too. jaguar? Jaguar is fine, but it's pretty good. That's how Ray. Dick, that's how Thank Dick Duran used to say it. Dick Duran would print it. He would say jaguar, <laughs> which I thought was kind of an awesome affectation. It's pretty good. My kids do good accents, or at least I think they're good accents. They do, like, British accents. Anna, who's here, my 10-year-old, she does this character, Lady Constance, who is kind of this, like, very stuck-up British lady. I think it might be from a book or something. My kids read a lot of books. I don't. But it's like Lady Constance will show up at family get-togethers or dinners, and she's just very... Fancy. Unimpressed by something or... You know, she doesn't. She can't believe that these people eat with their fingers and things like that. Ah, yeah. I have to go to my next family event as Lady Constance. I think that would be very entertaining for people and very off-putting. I, I, I was reading that with the popularity of Peppa Pig, there have been little kids who, little American kids in like rural Kentucky, who are referring to their mother as mum. <laughs> well, I mean, between Peppa Pig and Bluey, yeah, Bluey. They, they I mean, different accent, but the same words yeah. usually. Yeah. You you got kids being I think influenced in a good way. Bluey's a pretty good show. How do you actually. know about Bluey? Like, how did you get into? 
bluey. Yeah, because it gets cool and everything. Like I like it, but I like it as a kid show. I don't sit there and just no, I'm watch not gonna, it on my own. No, I'm, I I have nieces and nephews. They guide you onto it. Yeah. Okay. I got I, peeps. I think that uh, that is something that all parents know the bluey experience now, and it's good. We I, don't. We missed it. I like that there's like, well, your kids are too old. Well, wait, right. wait, does, does Griffey, your dog, watch Bluey? Because that's supposed to be a thing, too. No, my dog does not watch TV, I don't that think. That the color palette of Bluey actually gets through really? dog's color blindness. Okay. I don't know if I've ever seen my dog watch TV. So there could be some kind of nefarious plot yes. that is using this color or lack thereof to show dogs the the secret plans for the takeover yep you're alleging you're you're theorizing that the bluey cartoon on disney plus is controlling all like america's dogs until when they decide to until it's time unleash them right yeah that was good you got it yep it's definitely on a QAnon message board somewhere (laughs) yep it's great because there's always like this kind of wink wink to the parents like there's a whole episode about the parents being too hungover on new year's day to do whatever the kids want them to do. But these but it's unrealistic and it is very it makes things much more difficult for parents because these parents always give in to whatever the kids want eventually. They're always like, "Oh, it's okay that I don't feel good. It's okay that I have work that I have to go to my job. You know, that that can wait. Let's play uh, you know, merry-go-round or whatever." And so then kids start thinking, "Oh, well, this is, you know, my parents could play with us if they wanted to badly enough." If they, if they weren't such lushes. They could just skip their job. Yeah, they don't have to go. Or make themselves magically feel not hungover. Well, that was fun. This was a great visit, I think. I think they're going to draft Kayla Williams. I'm, that seems pretty clear to me that that's the plan. Okay. Is and that- if, bold prediction for me here, if, if Brodus Fru- Foods, the Snoop cereal, is indeed successful with its uh, lawsuit against Walmart for hiding the boxes of cereal. Now, Snoop Dogg has a relationship with Caleb Williams and his dad. Maybe that's where he ends up having a cereal. Not on a Wheaties box, but on a Snoop cereal box near you. That's what it was. Didn't Snoop coach Caleb or something? Something like that. You guys would have to get, you'd have to make room by clearing out this box of Bojacks that was... uh Best, I mean, if he has four interceptions again. by September again, of 2021. If, if he has four interceptions again, Dan's got to eat another bowl. Yeah, that's not going anywhere. We'll see if he's still a bear. I got I to gotta keep doing my part. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, it was great. Feels like we got a lot done. I think this was very productive as far as uh, knocking out a couple of good bear segments for the people. I agree. That was mm-hmm. outstanding bears content. If you want more of it, the Parkinson Spiegel Show is hosting a QB1 Town Hall next Wednesday, February 21st from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Blue Cross Blue Shield Performance Stage. Listen to Parkinson Spiegel between 2 and 6 today for your chance to win your way into the QB1 Town Hall special. You can have your voice heard in the Bears QB1 debate as the NFL offseason begins. They'll also be joined by football experts to weigh in on the debate that everyone is talking about. That's the QB1 Town Hall with Parkinson Spiegel next Wednesday from 2 to 6 p.m. When we come back, we've got some mic'd up audio from the Super Bowl that tells the story of overtime. It makes one team not really look that good, as you can imagine. Uh-huh. That is next. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, Middays 10 to 2. Your midday definition for Chicago Sports Talk on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Where are we going? 
you'll hear more of that in the days to come, maybe years to come as we talk football. It, it's so great. I think it's a really excellent way to like teach football. I honestly think that it should be on the regular. But who was the baseball broadcast. guy? Was it Speed? What does Dora think about all this? Slider. Slider, that's right. And then it was, was it Peter Puck Paul in hockey? Mr. Pucks? No, I, I thought I thought they had a something called, it was Peter Puck, I think. It was the, anim, his animated adventures appeared on NBC's Hockey Game of the Week and CBC's Hockey Night in Canada. He explained hockey rules, equipment, and the sports history to the home viewing audience. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that you could do with Dora on CBS broadcasts before you do the Nickelodeon one. What I think would be great is for Dora to be super opinionated. Yes. Now let's talk about immigration. No, I mean just like football opinionated. I just think, oh, it, I think it would be. She needs to be a meatball? Or just, yes. But like in in Dora voice, just have really strong thoughts. Like she's a huge Eagles fan or something. Because it's a penalty. Well, how many do they get? Why is why is roughing the passer not being called against Justin Fields? He gets hit every week. Every why don't the referees use this map to find their flags to make a call? That should be 15 yards yeah, well, and an automatic first down. Hey, Boots, maybe the owner should use a map to find his wallet so he could have bought some actual offensive line depth, like something like that, right? I mean, That would be fine. All right, get uh, to the thing. All right, well, this is all – I don't really need to say much, but you'll hear a bunch of voices in here about when overtime began. You'll hear the Chiefs talking about – what their plan was, Andy Reid talking to Patrick Mahomes. You'll hear the voice of referee Bill Vinovich. You'll hear the Chiefs reacting to the decision that the Niners made. And then I think it's Kyle Juszczyk talking to Kyle Shanahan about, like, uh, you realize that nobody knows what's going on here, right? You good with the toss? Yeah. Which way you want to kick it? They call it. They call it, right? Well, they got a coin flip. Yeah, they call the coin flip. It's their coin flip, right? Which way do you want to kick it? We want the ball, Fred. San Francisco, you are still the visitors. What is your call? Tails again. He called tails again. It is tails. What do we see? You want the ball? Which way do you want to kick? We're going to kick that way. San Francisco, we see first and overtime. Good luck, gentlemen. They want it. They want the ball. They want it. Hey, they want it. They wanted it, baby. We want them to have the ball. They want it, they can have it. Hey, even if we score a touchdown, they still get the ball. I didn't know that. If we won the toss, we were going to kick off, too. We got what we wanted. Ah. (laughs) Juszczyk is a Harvard guy, right? He's the only one that knew. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Them's the rules. Our buddy, Kalen Kaler is uh, she's going to be on Football Night in Chicago with me tonight. She actually has been talking to people and talking to the analytics crowd about the decision. So we're going to have a conversation about that. You guys can bring it back tomorrow Oh, she, I'm not here. I can't wait to see that. There's I'm- been like a 20 text thread between her, myself, and Anthony, my producer, about it. So we're going to have a conversation about it. It awesome. might not be as crazy as you think. Yeah, you're out tomorrow and Layla is in in your stead. Yes, I'll be gone until Tuesday. I'm just bring Adam Hodge in here. Tell him to come back on Tuesdays. Parkins and Spiegel join us next.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 